If you travel, you know how to really go off the grid. Like no cell service in your room, off the grid. You know which remote retreats have the best herbal baths, sound baths, and ice baths. Because when you set up your out-of-office, you mean it. Because when you're the escape artist, vacation is all about resting, meditating, drinking water, and minding your own businessing. The Delta Sky Miles Platinum American Express card. If you travel, you know. Learn more at go.amex slash you know. When you're constantly on the move, it's not just pits that break a sweat. From your armpits to your thighs and everywhere in between, new whole body deodorant cream and sticks from Shea Moisture are your secret weapon to staying fresh and confident all day long. Made from melanin-rich skin and packed with plant-based goodness, embrace a new era of freshness with whole body and stick deodorants from Shea Moisture. Find them at your nearest Walmart and walmart.com. And when you do, your whole body's covered. Mac Powder Kiss Lipstick is matte reinvented. The new matte formula is where matte meets moisture, giving you that zero shine look of a matte lipstick with an instant long-term hydration and a weightless cushiony texture. The velvety soft matte colors glide on effortlessly with a wide range of shades that are sure to complement any skin tone. Head to your nearest MAC location to meet your MAC today or shop at maccosmetics.com. Welcome to the Friends. Every time I'm in the zone. My name is Dustin. I'm Francesca, also known as K Friend Hey. My name is Asante. This is the Friends Zone. The Search Show. I'm in the zone. Support me, bitch. Welcome to the Friends Zone. Where this week we're going to continue highlighting black women. Okay, with our clip of the week segment. This is important work to me. And today, the black woman, the blackest woman that we're going to highlight is NeNe Leakes. (laughs) And what she said was, support me, bitch. Now, we all know that that snippet of that conversation was intended to um, be communication to her friend Marlo in the situation that they were in when she wanted a little bit more of a shoulder to lean on from Marlo. But I've decided to pull another gem from that snippet. Mm -hmm. Let's take it in a literal sense. And this week, I want (laughs) to give a one time for the pet owners, right? Oh, my God. Let me tell you something about black people with pets. We work very hard to keep our dogs out the kitchen. We work very hard to keep them from licking on us or anything above the neck. You know, all of that takes effort. And it's time for these no good, thankless pets to start giving us something back, okay? All of y'all with dogs, you know, I've been I've been watching y'all and I see how hard y'all work. They try to run off you on the leash. You got to pull them back. Your arm get to hurting. They all in the way. It's, it's a lot that you got to deal with. And the dogs don't do nothing but sit there and pant and stare. I'm tired of it. It's time for these dogs to start giving some back, killing some some bugs or something, eating up rodents. I'll do something. Clean up New York. Do something with these dogs. <laughs> support us, bitch. The hashtag this week is support me, bitch. This is one oh. time for the pet owners. You know what I'm saying? Oh we want their dogs to start helping them out for a change, taking them outside to shit for a change. Jeez. Okay? And with that being said, it's time for the QTNAs. I'm even more terrified now with that setup. The QTNAs are going to go fast this week because there's someone here that I'm very excited to talk to. So QTNAs are questions that need answers and also questions that Nigris is asking. Question number one, is it true that at a recent New York City charity fundraiser on the Upper East Side that had nasty food, 
There was a comedian on stage who said apparently fish don't fry in the kitchen up here after all. And then two guests who were seated back to back were the only ones who chuckled at the exact same time oh like God. this. <laughs> and then slowly turned around to see who it was. And President Barack Obama and Robin Roberts stared at each other for two <laughs> seconds, smiled, and then kept pretending to eat that nasty food. Is it true? Y'all know no, Obama and Robin Roberts smile. Like, y'all know it's the smile. It's the smile. Is it true? Question number two. We're going to keep this moving. Is it true <laughs> that to celebrate his birthday this past Saturday, Evergreen Academy Award winning actor Morgan Freeman went back home and had a neighborhood rally at his favorite childhood park, the Garden of Eden. Is it true? <laughs> and the third QTNA, keeping it moving very quickly. Yes, is it also true that Morgan's last name is Freeman because he was, in fact, the first free man? Oh, my God. <laughs> With those things being asked, no. totally understood. <laughs> I'd like to welcome everybody you. to the Friend Zone, the <laughs> weekly look in the <laughs> mental health, mental wealth, and mental hygiene because who in the hell wants a musty brain? Fran, how you doing? I'm great. How are you guys? It's good to see you. First of all, before we start, mm -hmm. Dustin was on the Wendy Williams show. Yeah. That hosting a show is one of his biggest goals. So yes, to me, is. that was just a, a peek into the future. So please tell us how Thank you, you friend. feel. Uh, I feel amazing. Friend <laughs> uh, <laughs> hit you with Don't the QTNA. You see? No, I like, I just, y'all, friend, you were right. You know, being a talk show host is like one of my biggest dreams of them all. I'm talking like... REM sleep, you know what I'm saying? A dream. <laughs> so being on that set, seeing how all that worked, it was just, it was a crazy experience. I was there for a meeting. And so that was even a better experience. And she was hugging you in the picture, which everyone knows Wendy Williams doesn't touch people. Okay. Yep. She was kind to me. But she was hugging Dustin. She was kind oh, to me. Love. And I take it all back because I didn't said a lot of stuff on this show. <laughs> <laughs> I take it all back because sometimes you don't know people until you meet them and Wendy was very very kind to me Aww. she received me so authentically and y'all know I would have known if it was bullshit immediately yeah. she was real and so I'm so grateful for her time and her hospitality feel free to tag the picture to tag the uh, go in the comments this time I need your help because I was there for <laughs> yes. a meeting okay, so, so go in those comments and tag the Wendy show and tell them that you would like to see you know, me there in some capacity, I would really appreciate that. Please. Yeah. You know, so let's count this village. Usually we pick an emoji, but this time we need you guys to use words. Yes. And tell, like he said, tag the show. Tell them we would love a Dustin Ross segment or co-hosting the Hot Topics. Wouldn't Chicago. that be great? Yes. That would be amazing. Come on, Wendy you guys. Was kind we can do to me. This. Thank you for her, your time and just even being able to be in conversation with her um, and be you know, um, just embracing that capacity. That was so, uh, such a, a, a humbling experience for me. I'm grateful. Yeah. And she's talk show royalty. I got to literally sit in her office. I talked to her about the things that she's collected. And you look cute. Thank you so much, Fran. I love you. I but love thank you, you guys. Yeah, so that was a great experience. Shout out to Wendy and how you doing? <laughs> you know what? She don't have a, a, a man on the street segment. I, I you could do that. Oh, that would be cute. I could see that for you. Pavement. Give I me the mic. See that for you. Also, shout out to Norm, her producer Norman. Yeah, uh, who, under, who knows about the show, and he showed me some love. Oh, shout out to Morel. Yep, and Morel, her makeup <laughs> artist. Shout out to Morel. 
So we got a lot of, and also shout out to uh, one, another one of the associate producers um, on the show who is a huge fan of the show too. We got a lot of love at the Wendy Show, y'all. Thank you. So, well, I know anyway, she don't listen, but shout out to Suzanne over at the Wendy Williams Show. Suzanne is so sweet. <laughs> Yo, Suzanne, Suzanne is lit. Suzanne. Suzanne. She, she's one of the producers that be offset. She like help out with the audience and stuff. But you, oh, nice. but when Wendy is like cracking you up, you hear Suzanne like off Dying. the damn camera. Like, oh, <laughs> and I'd be like, Suzanne is going off. And then sometimes she ask her too. You should have seen them jeans she had on. I know a good jean mm. when I see one. I'd like to know <laughs> what jeans Suzanne got on. <laughs> and so I want to also shout out Innocent Pac's team. Yeah. Because we got tickets to go to the show at I MSG. First of all, he, sh- he sold out MSG, yes. which is like a major accomplishment for every artist. That's like every artist's Goals. dream. Yes. So it was nice to see him get all like choked up at the fact that the audience was just in it everybody was dancing jumping up and it was just a beautiful experience thank you to the team for that shout out to India Sean shout out to India Sean we did MSG our sister <laughs> who was singing background and honestly I was emotional watching yes. her up there I was like this is happening at Madison Square Garden at MSG. Madison Square Garden shout she out to everybody scared. too yeah. she like looked right at her element she had all the steps she hit all the notes beautiful I felt bad. I wouldn't stop talking to Fran. I was like, look at her. I was like, bombshell. I kept talking. And I was like, I need to just stop we talking. We were excited. Like it was fun. amazing. It was I a great show. Like so that. I just had to just throw those things out there. Congratulations, Dustin. Thank you, Anderson. And now we can jump into the show. So yes. do you want to go into... <laughs> you ready for the recap segment? <laughs> so on last week's episode, titled The Attachment Theory, which... A show that triggered a lot of you, apparently. A lot. <laughs> you saw all the comments. We discussed psychoanalyst John Bowlby's attachment theory, which is an attachment behavioral system that guides us in our patterns and habits of forming and maintaining relationships. We discussed what factors contribute to your experiences of anxiety, fear, avoidance, and ultimately fulfillment. And as always, you had a lot to say. So Asante, who stood out to you? I want to give a shout out to Tony. I don't know if you want me to say your real name, so I just kind of switched your name up. But uh, <laughs> for those of y'all listening, don't forget to email us at the at loudspeakersnetwork.com. A lot of you guys did. There were a lot of long emails. I read through some of them. Some of them I was really feeling myself in. I was like, ooh, me too, girl. <laughs> um, but shout out to Tony. He says, I'm a huge fan of the show. I felt like I got my ass beat. Um, for lying to my mama after listening to this damn episode. I took the quiz and I got dismissive avoidant, which I actually knew I would get before I even took the damn quiz. I'm a gay black man and I just recently met someone who I really like. But after reading about the tendencies of someone who falls into my category, which is that what... Excuse me. Which is that what we enjoy at the beginning parts of a relationship, but lose interest and pull away once that spark is gone. I got scared. So I told him about it. And to my surprise, he already knew about the attachment theory. And this nigga already taken the quiz himself. Nice. Not only that, but he got secure attachment as his result. Mm. I was afraid he'd immediately lose interest, <laughs> but he was actually open to talking about it and allowed me to have an open, honest, and difficult conversation oh, with him heart. about how I got here. I even revealed, reviled to him that I see both a therapist and a psychiatrist, and he was supportive. Thank y'all for the beating. It was rough as hell, but I needed it. 
So thank you, Tony, for sharing Yay, that. That's thank why you. we do what we do. Yeah. Tony likes it rough. Exposed. <laughs> you are so, oh my God. Friend, what did you find in the SoundCloud streets, I presume? So I actually stepped into the Twitter Ooh, streets. Come on, come on. Sorry, Dustin. You're always welcome. <laughs> so Monique says, I took initial steps to address my fearful avoidance attachment issues by ending a two-year on and off again <laughs> situationship. Yes. I'm sad, but I also feel free. Free. And I love that people were supportive sending her the hand clapping emoji. Yes, <laughs> go off, girl. And I love that because I love that you guys really sat with the information, reflected, integrated what resonated, and then now are going to move forward, hopefully. Took action. Took action yeah. and move forward in a way that you're like, okay. I have to make some changes, mm-hmm. break some patterns so that things could feel differently. So that's saying a lot. It's hard to look at yourself. And Absolutely. They, the, the delegation did it this week. So. <laughs> mm-hmm. I love it, though, because they were like, I wasn't ready for yeah. this. Talking about we uh, took their wigs, we yeah. took their scalps. <laughs> so, Dustin, who would you find on the street? You know, this week's tweet that I want to highlight is a two-parter, believe it or not. So the first part of this tweet comes from Bredo underscore eight four. And he says, uh, today, this girl asked me to take this pic of her. Convo was flowing and I feel like we hit it off, but I was too shy to get her number. I regret it. Help me find her. Twitter, do your thing. Okay, and the tweet was placed on May 31st, uh, 2019 at 11.57 p.m. The tweet was then quoted on June 1st at 11.01 a.m. by none other than the beautiful Wilhelmina model herself, Scotty Bean. Hey, Scotty Bean. Who we love. You know, we'll whoop your ass over Scotty Bean on this show. (laughs) Who said, um... This is a picture of me four years ago, sir. (laughs) And my best friend crew took this. So shout out to Scotty Bean for once again dotting on her eyes and crossing her T's. She's so Jeez. thorough and precise. Wait I a love minute, her. I'm so lost. Scotty ain't. <laughs> Scotty is found. You hear me? She said, um, "Wow, that's a picture of me from four years ago, <laughs> and my best friend took this." Thank you. So I just thought. But why would you pick a picture of someone we all know that is obviously going to say something when it comes out her feed? Like, because it be. Clout chasing. At its worst. Do anything (laughs) for clout. Do anything for clout. So, with that being said, you ready to jump into this week's episode? So ready. So, it's a part two. Just throwing that out there. So, be prepared. (laughs) Because we have none other than Miriam. Hasnia, who y'all know. (laughs) Give it up. Who y'all know from the Keep That Same Energy episode, which I think is our highest, like the most listened episode that we have. I think it's up there with like Bajanista, which just let us know that you guys enjoy receiving the tools that you can actually apply. So we had to bring her back. That's my sister. We got Maz (laughs) Haas. Welcome back. I love how it worked out for me to be here too. Perfectly, right? Yeah, it was all... Definitely synced up well because we spent the weekend in Philly. Mm-hmm. I went to visit Haz's grandma. Yeah. So spent cool. the day with her. And then we went to Roots Picnic, which was fun. We did. And the weather's nice. And the I'm weather's nice. And I'm happy that. to be here. Last time it was freezing cold. It was right. just a couple right. of days ago, too. It was late at night, too. <laughs> it was late at night. It was freezing cold. I had no idea what I was going to talk about. Right. And I remember the impact kind of surprised me because... For me, I think that everything that I talked about is stuff that I talk about every day mm-hmm. in my world. 
So it was it was really inspiring for me to see how many people really benefited from that conversation. Yeah. yeah. So I'm excited to be back. Yes. And I'm very excited about this conversation in particular <laughs> because, I mean, last episode was good, but this is about to be good. I'm ready to dig in. So we, like I said in the recap last week, I kind of created the alley-oop for you to kind of come on in. And give us the spiritual side of the attachment theory and obviously conversations beyond that. But I remember sitting and watching Haas teach a class on her in her online school that was discussing attachment theory lightly, but more so focused on the reparenting part. Okay. Because if you remember when we were discussing it last week, a lot of why we act out the way we do today is because of how our parents raised us. And obviously this isn't to shift or point blame, but that's just where it starts. Mm -hmm. And so I think a conversation that we didn't touch on last week that needed to be the follow-up was, okay, so now you know that this is your attachment style. Boom. What next? How do you work with that information to make changes, break curses, break generational patterns, and hopefully even working with your parents if you have that ability to do so and having these conversations. So Haas is going to get you like, parents. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to talk about all of that. Yes, if you can. I understand yeah. not everyone has that, you know, access to their parents. But if you do, we'd love to kind of set that in motion as well. So Haas, like I said, was teaching a class on reparenting yourself, which is massive. Mm. It's something that is so important and I think people don't really think that mm -hmm. they can do because it's like, well, I was already parented and I'm already screwed. Like, it is what <laughs> it is. But you actually Aww. can go back and make changes on your own for how you would have preferred mm -hmm. to have been treated and you can kind of, like, take the reins on that. So Let I want to... buckle up. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really great conversation. Her class, like, had me blown. I was... I remember being uh, in her house actually watching when she was teaching a different class that was touching on it, too. And I was just sitting there like, dog, you're the truth. Wow. <laughs> so I'm glad that we could, you know, make it work in a line that you could be here and share that information with our audience. So Yay. if you want to kick it off... <laughs> <laughs> Come on, okay, right. where do I want to dive in from all that? Mm. You know, the reparenting the inner child class was also really interesting because when I pick these themes, I'm always like feeling into the collective energy and seeing like, you know, what what is it that I feel would be beneficial for people to hear now? And so the timing of the classes is something that people often share with me, like, how did you know this is what I needed to hear right now? <laughs> Every time. And another thing that I experienced with the school, which is interesting, is that when I pick the theme, I'm always put in a situation like it never fails. I'm always put in a, in a situation in my own life that makes it come very alive for me so that I'm not just like teaching from theory mm -hmm. and I'm not just kind of pulling. And I had, I had done inner child shadow work. I like to talk about them kind of together and I can break more into like what they are and what they're not. I had taught that like almost religiously for about three years like many, many years ago. So in my mind, I'm like anybody who's doing any kind of inner work, who's like clearing subconscious programs, 
they're doing inner child work. They're doing shadow work. And I realized that a lot of people were not. And I was seeing a lot of people doing spiritual bypassing. And I was seeing a lot of people, especially people coming online, talking about things. And I was like, this to me shows that people are skipping steps. Mm -hmm. Right. And I was like, it's important for me to kind of like go back to basics sometimes because there are new people that are coming into my work. And if you don't hear me explicitly say you have to do this work, you have to do this inner child work. You have to look at your shadow. You have to look at what's unconscious. It may seem as if I'm bypassing it when it's really just, I've, I've like covered it in excess years ago. Right. right. But because I've been doing this for like 10 years, people that are new might not know that. So I felt, I was like, let's go back to 101. Let's go back to talking about how we all have an inner child, how we all have a shadow, how we all are, um, create these patterns in our childhood. They're survival techniques because as a child, we have very basic needs, which are just like to survive. We mm. want our caregivers to feed us, to clothe us, to house us, and just to, to get through. So what happens is that there are these parts of our personality that we find out in some way are not acceptable. And we suppress them so that we're liked, right? So we we mm. may find out, for example, like, oh, and again, this is a very unconscious thing. You're 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 processing it through the through the mind of a child. You mm -hmm. don't have the tools. So again, it's very, it's very like primal um sort of like technique to do this, to say, like, oh, when I cry, my adult caregiver doesn't like that. So I'm going to suppress that need to express my emotions so that I'm I'm pleasable to them. Right. So I'm pleasing to them. <laughs> my heart's already so we do this. We all learn how to be people pleasers to our caregivers and we push those parts of ourselves deep down into the psyche and they can come out as we are adult children <laughs> in these ways that we project them onto other people. Right. And so this is like classic, like shadow work. It's classic, like Jungian shadow work. Carl Jung was like sort of like the main one talking about how um, all the things that we make unconscious in ourselves are the things that trigger us from other people. Mm. Right. So, again, for me, this is like kind of basic one on one work. So reparenting the inner child is like going in and excavating all that stuff and saying, why does it bother me so much when I see someone else's success? Like, why is that a trigger for me? Right. And you're looking at that like, oh, there's a pattern there. And you you dissect it so that you can figure out, like, what's the story that's going on inside of myself that I'm telling myself? And how is this playing out in in like how I experience the world, how I experience relationships, the kind of relationships I attract, the, all of the childhood imprints. Right. So attachment style is like one of many imprints that we have from sort of this childhood time. So the reparenting the inner child class, I went and break down some of the primary imprints that we all have as children and so I didn't realize what a Pandora's box you I was opening, opening up for yeah. people <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> because it was like, for me, I was just like, oh, we're covering the basics 101. A lot of you already know this stuff because again, my school is for people that like have in a way been doing this work, 
But there's always new people who are joining my school. So a lot of people told me I had to turn that class off. Mm. Like they were like, I had to I had to turn that off because it was really bringing up that much. And what was interesting is, like I said, is that when I teach this stuff, I always get brought back into a thing. So I had a major I had a major inner child um Temper tantrum. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's like, how do I wear this? So I was like, wow. And it was so real because it was like, I was like, wow, I feel like I'm seven. Mm. Like, I remember this feeling. And thankfully, I have the tools. So I know how to I know how to sit with the body sensations. I know how to sit with the story. I know how to observe and realize, like, this is a body memory that feels like it's happening right now, but it's not. It's a memory that like, I might not be able to, sometimes you can access the memory from childhood of like, wow, this reminds me of the time that my dad left us or whatever, right? Sometimes it's like very apparent, but sometimes the imprint actually comes before the part of your brain that records memory is formed. Mm -hmm. So you don't actually have a way to access that memory but the body remembers like the body knows that experience. So that's the thing about when you bring up these childhood imprints is that you feel it in the body, your body reacts, your body has the trigger, your nervous system goes into that fight or flight kind of, you know, or flee mode or freeze. And it feels like you're in that trauma again, when it's really just reminding you of an old situation. So that's why the class was like, yeah, and honestly, that was people. one of the biggest questions we got. Where mm-hmm. it's like, okay, so if I'm in the middle, yeah, of mm-hmm. that, what is the next step? How do I come into the present moment and remind mm-hmm. myself that this is not happening right now? Right, and and I thought it was like somehow I intuitively knew that the class might be like it might bring up stuff and I was prepared because I brought in our mutual friend Shirley mm-hmm. shout out Shirley shout out to Shirley Shirley Caesar <laughs> <laughs> Shirley Johnson oh okay hey Shirley <laughs> Soulistic Wellness on Instagram <laughs> so she is actually like one of my like closest friends and we do a lot of inner work together she's like my accountability partner we read the book Attached together and we always talk about inner child but she's also a psychotherapist so I was like I want to have a therapist on the class with me that can talk about it because I'm not a therapist. I'm right. an energy worker. Right? right. So I'm like, I'm going to talk about the energy and the patterns and how I see it. And I'm a practitioner. So I'm going to talk about the tools. But I was like, I want someone who can talk about it more from a classical mm-hmm kind of like, um, you know, psychotherapy point of view and give that support. And we did tell people like, if this is bringing up too much and you feel like you need to do this work with a therapist, like definitely check in, take care of yourself. Like don't overwhelm yourself. So I just want to say that also here with this conversation. Yeah. We said that last week too. Yeah. So if it's like, if it, if like listen to yourself, trust yourself, like know what healthy, uncomfortable feelings are. When you're like stretching a little bit, you're like, oh, that's a healthy stretch. And when you're going into a territory where it's a little bit kind of too much to process and you need to. I'm going to try to keep it light and funny because that's just how I teach. (laughs) I do because, you know, we we, this we're not face to face with people. 
So we're not able to take care of you and kind of create that container of safety like yeah. we would in person. So I just like to say ahead of time, <laughs> I'm pulling the sword out. <laughs> and we ready. <laughs> okay. And Look, so, so if you're at work no. listening, you know, might need to pause it for later or something. <laughs> you might go through the rest of your day like, damn. Yeah, just know that trust yourself if it starts to feel like too much, you know, come back to it. So, yeah, I do want to talk about some of the kind of primary imprints that I have seen working with people, being an energy worker, observing patterns for a really long time. A big part of my work is just deprogramming. That's before I was doing like wellness retreats and in the mainstream, my work was all about like how to exit the matrix, like Amen. how to get out of these control systems that are set up in our society and our culture to keep people enslaved to limitation and lack and just basically not being in their power, not being in their sovereignty, like not really knowing who they are. You know, my work was coming from like being an old time conspiracy theorist <laughs> and like, how do we break all these programs? So for me, I've always been talking about how to deprogram. I'm also a hypnotherapist. So I like working with that level of mind where you're really going to do some reprogramming. And knowing like what the programs are, I find is always helpful. And I will also talk about some techniques because in order to, I tweeted this the other day, I say you could read a, you could read a million self-help books and your life never change. And mm. the reason for that is because reading is something that you do on the conscious mind level. In order to change the programs, you have to get into the subconscious mind. You have to get into the subconscious mind. And you have to get into the nervous system. You have to actually change it on the level of the body. That's why people will have a lot of theories about like attachment theory, attachment style and this, but they don't actually change anything in their life. Right. Because it's just it's intellectual. Just good memory. It's right. just like in their mind. They and don't even be having a man half the time. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God! That's to be to be TBQ MFH. Conversation we have. But I just want to say, you know, because some people are like, okay, well, why am I not like now that I know this stuff, so to speak? Like, why isn't anything changing? And I'm like, just because you're reading tweets and you're getting the theory, you're understanding it. That's not getting in the operating system. Like, you have to get in the operating system, and that's done through. Obviously, hypnotherapy is a, is a way to do that. And another way is through repetition. People don't love to hear that because they want to take a magic pill and they're like, you know, I want to clear all this stuff out. But I'm like, it's repetition. Think about how long it took you to put these patterns in place. Mm. It was repeatedly being modeled to you by your parents or your caregivers to create the original operating system. You need to give yourself a reasonable amount of time. They say it takes 30 to 40 days to create a new neural pathway. When I was working with the clients, I said it's a minimum of three months of us doing this work before you're going to actually see changes in your life that you can tangibly measure. So I just also need to say that, too. So if you're going to do any kind of whether it be daily affirmations, daily um, you know, some kind of reprogramming work and we can talk about different ones. Just know that it's not just getting the theory. You actually have to get in the operating system. And that means you have to go into that level of mind that is recording, which is like Fran talked about it in the last segment, 
that when you're a child through the through the age of when you're born through when you're seven, your mind is in recording. You're in theta brainwave state. So you're basically in hypnosis. You're being hypnotized by your caregivers. So you have to put yourself back. I don't, you don't have to, but I like to if do things fast. To. <laughs> I like the cheat codes. Right. I like to do things fast. So I like to put my brain in that same brainwave state to put the new program in. So mm-hmm. I hope that makes sense. Yeah. So you can do that through um, hypnosis. You can do that through sound therapies. You can put on some binaural beats and get yourself into that brainwave state where the messages can actually go into the operating system. Um, and then you can also do it through just repetition over time of like, okay, for the next 60 days, I'm focusing on this one program and I'm going to keep on repeating what I want the new program to be is right. And that's going to override the old operating system. So people have to really know that this is not just getting it in theory is going to actually create change in your life. You're changing your brain. So right. like you're, you're actually getting into the like neuro, what they call neuroplasticity, which is changing the way that your brain works. So in order to do that, we have to actually get in there. So I'm going to talk about theory. I'm going to talk about the imprints and then we'll get into the practice. Yeah, let's do it. I'm ready. Any <laughs> Any questions? I'm any tuned comments? in. My seat is pulled up. You know, <laughs> you talked about the Matrix. You know, I've been having these Morpheus moments all my life. So please. I mean, and just to give context for that, what I mean by that is that the way I understand it or the way that I experience it or that is that there's this dominant sort of control matrix that we're all plugged into. Right. So like people say like the matrix, you know, is, is true, is real. Right. And I see a lot of the, um, just the way the society runs of like, people need to behave this way. This is what a relationship looks like. This is what success looks like. And so much of that stuff does not work for my personality. doesn't work for me. Same. And if I was to try to create, and people do this and you see it, people try to achieve this programmed idea of what success looks like. Then they achieve it and then they wonder why they don't feel good. Mm-hmm. It's because it was never in alignment with you to begin with. Mm-hmm. Right. So I always talk about, I also just did it last month. I taught about conscious entrepreneurship and I was talking about how important it is to have a definition of success. That is your definition. If you're reaching for success, that's a blueprint that someone else created you're going to be working towards that and then you get it and then you're so confused. I've got all the things. I've checked off all the marks that society says makes you happy. I don't feel better. Yeah. And I always say that I'm an example of like untethering because obviously we get a lot of opportunities based on the formula of like, okay, you got to this point in your career. So this is what you're supposed to do. You got to do this and that. And I haven't moved forward with a lot of those things mm-hmm. just because I already know that mm-hmm. that's not my timeline. Yeah. So and like, it's not easy. It's not easy to just be like, I'm not doing that because people are hard on you. You know, they'll be like, you're not as ambitious or they kind of mm-hmm. project. Uh, or begin to doubt whatever you, your mm-hmm. skill is. Yeah, yeah. Right. A lot yeah. of naysayers. Like I always say my definition of success is being able to take naps whenever I want to. I know that's the fuck right. <laughs> and that, and that, that, like people, like people think that's a joke, but I'm like, no, what I'm basically saying is like, 
whatever version of success I am doing, what's authentic to me is being able to say, I need to rest myself right now. Amen. I need to take a break right now. I need to restore myself right now. So it's like, that's why my business card says professional relaxer, because I'm like, <laughs> I want to talk to people about how to relax. That's what I'm good at. Right. <laughs> like, right. That's what I'm good at. Like, why not? Like, and again, you might have a model <laughs> of the world like that's not a job. Like, why not? Right. Bullshit. You'd be surprised kind of people stuff. don't know how to relax. Exactly. Yeah. I was like, that. that's why what I made uh, like my, you know, like my work about like how to how to chill out and it and again it took on this whole form of now I'm like I always talk about the nervous system and a lot of my work is about how to reprogram the nervous system so it it like it took on its own um it took on its own form because I wasn't joking I was serious right <laughs> and I wasn't letting society dictate to me like what is and isn't possible and then the extension of that was when I was saying I know that I want whatever I do next to feel like being at the beach and then Fran hit me up about doing retreats. So I say all this stuff, but it's real, right? Like it's not a fantasy bubble that I'm living in. It's like my reality reflects my belief systems. And that's why my life is so joyful because mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not trying to achieve what other people tell me is supposed to happen. I'm very clear on like what is aligned for me. What that's what I put energy into. Yeah. Um, so to take it back to the relationship thing, I've also had a lot of that. I've had a lot of relationships that I've been in tell me that I'm supposed to be a different way in a relationship. Tell me I'm not a good partner because I because conventional types of relationships don't work for me. Right. And I've also tried to change. Dustin. No, same. I date guys. So. <laughs> I, I've, tried to you know, I've tried to change myself because I was like, maybe I don't know. Right. We all go through that kind of yeah. phase where we're like, maybe, you know, better than me. Hmm. And I'm just not good at relationships. It's a very brief phase, but we go through it. <laughs> right. <laughs> so brief. Like three months. Okay. <laughs> That's my you know, so it's like, and now the reason I say all that is because now I've come into like, like my healthiest relationship. And I'm like, and the reason the relationship is so aligned is I was like, this is how I always had it in my heart that a relationship could be. I always knew that I've never, I never saw it. Right. But I had this vision and I was like, I'm just going to create what I've, what I wanted to feel like. So again, I say all that to let people know that it's possible and to just understand that, yes, in order to really like bring those things that are really true and authentic to who you are to life you do have to remove these other programs, right? Mm. You do have to, because it's literally sabotaging. Like if you're in your conscious mind, like I want this healthy relationship, but in your operating system, most of our life is like, I think they say it's like 85 to 90% of our life is run by our subconscious programs. That's bonkers. If you have... That's why everybody walk around this motherfucker crazy. Exactly, <laughs> right? Because they're programmed by the news, what's going on in the media, and yep. all of that, right? So, And what they're seeing on social media or what they grew up with, right? Which isn't always great. 
Right. And it definitely isn't what's possible, right? Right. So, right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> For real. I yeah. felt that I'm shit. Yeah, it's not what's possible. I didn't grow possible. up seeing healthy relationships. So that's what I'm saying. I didn't see it. And look what you have now. Exactly. And I had, so I had to clear out all of that stuff, all of the programming that was imprinted on me in order to bring through in my reality what I knew was possible. So that's the thing. And and I like, you know, I, a lot of my work is definitely trauma informed, but I'm not like a, I'm not a trauma coach. I don't mm-hmm. really teach to that way, but it, I am informed in terms of understanding things like PTSD, mm-hmm. like how you can be reliving the same imprint and traumatizing yourself in the body over and over again. Whew. Recreating the same relationship over and over again because your body is actually addicted to that particular chemical cocktail, whether it be like fighting with someone or arguing with someone, right? Like your body, in your body, it to you feels like this is just who I am. This is home, (laughs) right? But really what it is, is that your body is addicted to those chemicals, to that sort of like adrenaline and all those cortisol and the stress hormones. Your body is addicted to them. So what do you do? You recreate some scenarios to experience that chemistry over and over again. Right. And that's why I say like the reprogramming, it has to be on the sub- subconscious level of the mind, but also on the body level. You have to train your body to feel a different way, a new way. Because it's a literal addiction it's on the addiction. body level. Yeah, that's why our class was about attachment and addiction, because it's like it's it's happening on many different levels, you know, and I know we're talking about a lot of stuff and it's people, it might feel overwhelming. Like this is too hard for me. Well, they ain't paying attention because <laughs> this is making perfect sense. Yo, we, we going, we, <laughs> that, that's their problem. <laughs> right. I mean, and I say all this to just say it because I find a lot of people have like done a lot of their inner work. And it's like that last puzzle piece sometimes is like the thing they're like, I figured this out and I figured that out, but it's, the whole picture is not coming together and i'm just because the last you know um podcast a lot of people said that was the missing piece that i needed so i'm offering a lot of information and a lot of context so that whoever needs to hear it is for you you know that that that's why i'm giving all this it's for me (laughs) (laughs) if you're buying sneakers online there's more than a coin flips chance that the shoe you're looking at is fake But GOAT.com is the safest way to buy and sell authentic sneakers online. They're the largest marketplace in the world for authentic Yeezys, Jordans, and over 600,000 sneaker listings. They've made the whole process frictionless by only accepting sellers with the best reputation and verifying all sneakers to ensure their authenticity. Every detail is inspected, you guys, from the stitching and the color to the size and the weight. And GOAT certifies that every pair of sneakers on their site matches exact factory specifications. You won't find better prices for verified 100% authentic sneakers anywhere else. I'm actually wearing a Mm. pair that I got from GOAT. Because you don't wanged on them. You know, I wanged on them. I got the Alexander Wang Adidas collab. They're so gorgeous. I actually wear them a little too much. Need to give them a break. I can't tell. Luther Vandross said never too much. (laughs) (laughs) Find the perfect 100% authentic sneaker at goat.com slash friendzone. That's goat.com slash friendzone. Plus, you'll also be supporting our show. But you've got to go right now before the sneakers you want are gone. So go to goat, G-O-A-T dot com slash friendzone. Happy shopping. It's for me, just for you. 
And just for me, <laughs> Andrew Carwell on the East of oh. <laughs> <laughs> He got up. No, seriously, because it's really interesting to think about um, reprogramming and how some people think it's going to be instant. Like, they're like, all right, no. today it's a thought. Mm-hmm. And so then they think from that one thought. I mean, and I guess from that one thought, the rest of your life can change, but mm-hmm. it takes more than that. People think it's so instant. Like, all right, I've had the thought or I've come into contact with this one thing. So now I'm changed forever. And it's like, yeah, you are because you've come into contact, but you have to continue to like go into mm-hmm. that or go backwards or you know deeper wherever you yeah and it's like out. okay that's the thing it's like your consciousness has changed because you've come into an idea but you haven't actually become the new self right mm. right because that's what i'm saying i'm like in order to bring that level of consciousness into the body the body is like the slowest part to kind of come up to speed with everything mm-hmm. especially in the gym <laughs> Go ahead, Haas. <laughs> He's gonna throw in jokes the whole time. He's gotta let them slide. I just like to hear you laugh. Haas's laugh makes me laugh. <laughs> I mean, no, but it is. I think that, like, what I see a lot of people talking about online is just like a lot of ideas. Mm-hmm. You know, and and that's great. Like, I think it's great. People are reading books. People are always like, can you recommend a book? And, you know, and I'm like, yes, but sometimes I I want to say, but no, but go out and like try again, like mm-hmm. go out and like have another experience. Like, like it's so important for people to have more lived experiences now because I'm realizing that everybody is isolating themselves. This is a big theme also right now is like people isolating themselves. And what I mean by isolation is not just your home alone. You could be out in a crowd full of people on your phone and you're isolated because you're not present. Yep. You're not actually present for intimacy. Right. So another question I asked the other day, I think it was yesterday. I said, are you truly choosing alone time? Or are you in hiding because you're afraid of true intimacy? Mm. And we're going to talk about intimacy because someone actually, I, I sound like Willow. someone actually responded <laughs> in a way that let me know that they thought I was talking about romance. And I'm right. like, I'm just talking about intimacy. intimacy. I actually, like period. Yeah, like I actually was inspired from that from spending time with my grandmother. Right. That's not <laughs> romantic. Right? Like I I was but the thing about my grandmother is that she is a she's such a big part of like my blueprint of love. Mm-hmm. Like my grandma is always like you're the joy of my life, you're my soulmate. Like mm-hmm. oh, that's God. the type of relationship we have. We're very affectionate. You know, and so like when I think about the kind of love that I know was possible, it's because of how I feel when with my grandma, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, how do I bring that into a romantic relationship? Right. Like, mm-hmm. I know that has to be possible, right? So anyway, the person's response to my tweet let me know again that <laughs> people have this idea that intimacy is about romance or intimacy is about sex. Like, I'm automatically talking about sex or something. So again, the reason why I say that is that People are isolated. People are afraid to look each other in the eye or mm-hmm. like have actual intimate moments. And that's how you could reprogram the nervous system. You could be with people. You could spend more time with people that you feel safe with. You could spend more time being vulnerable. You could uh, uh, surely is a big part of this for me. 
And she's someone that we do a lot of really intimate, vulnerable work where we just witness each other. Mm -hmm. Right. Like I might say she might I might have a story that I realize is a story. I'm like, there's a story happening right now inside that's telling me that nobody supports me. Right. And I know it's a story and I'm witnessing it as a story. But I want to bring in an, an ally, someone that I feel safe with, who I can share that with, who can do some mirroring work with me and reinforce to me and my body. That's not true. Yeah, that's intimacy. You know, so again, I say that to say, like, people are isolated because they they've been hurt. They don't trust. And um, they don't know how to work through these, you know, these blocks. Yeah. And I think for with me, that's kind of been the work that I'm doing now this summer. We've been joking like social summer. <laughs> but really, that's the work for me. Like I can mm -hmm. read a million books mm -hmm. and, you know, try to apply the theories. But for me, it's like when I'm put in that situation, how am I going to react and like, mm -hmm. how can I have that pause button that'll be like, this is how you usually react. Try something different. That's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You have to be willing to put yourself back out in the world. Like in order to actually change these programs, yes, it is inner work. And yes, it is, you know, something that you can do on a daily basis doing that reprogramming. But eventually you have to memorize a new way of feeling in the body. Mm. That's how you're going to become this new thing, right? Um, I want to talk for a second about how imprints can express themselves, right? So again, we're talking about childhood imprints. Yes. Imprints can express themselves through physical symptoms. Sorry, we might need some Kleenex <laughs> just in case. You had touched on something that is it really fucked we me up for a second. Bring me back so to it like, if you yeah, want yeah, me to. Yeah, yeah, so, but I might need some. Okay, so they can express themselves through physical symptoms. You can have certain pain in the body that is from an imprint, right? You can Shout have out to my kidney. emotions, <laughs> um, relationship choices and dynamics. So that's kind of attachment style as one of the imprints, <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, over emotional reactions to certain situations <laughs> i.e. going the fuck off <laughs> i.e. social media yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, movement patterns right I work with a nervous system specialist and I have a spinal specialist and a lot of the work I do is on how I hold my body in a way that says I'm not safe mm. right so I, I again I need to reprogram Whatever I know in my consciousness, I need to bring it in my body so that how I'm holding my body says and communicates to the rest of the world on these subtle levels. Because people are reading your body language. Yes, yes. Right? And your energy. I'm obsessed with that, by the way. <laughs> For real. I am obsessed with body language yeah. and understanding it. So, I'm, so come right. on. <laughs> so, again, if you, if, you, if you grew up in a household where you had this hunched over... A way, right? You, your spine has developed in that capacity. So there's different things happening with the connection with the spine and you, the rest of your body and how you're processing yes. things. This is big too because I just went. I've been, you know, I've been having like back problems mm -hmm. for a while now, and I went to a specialist this week. And it's funny because obviously I'm not going to bring up like metaphysical reasons with her because she's going to look at me like, okay, you can go. <laughs> <laughs> but she was talking about um, how my posture was just so strong. She's like, I don't really see people that like walk like that. She said it was almost looking like I was like forcibly pushing it back. Mm. But I told her that I had had to work on that purposely because I suffered a lot of trauma to my chest area as a kid. And so I had a natural hunch 
because it was like um bracing myself for the trauma almost mm-hmm. like so i just walked yeah. that way yeah. and i had to li- <laughs> asante really got clean <laughs> and i had to like learn to like push back when i mm-hmm. walk and it's almost exaggerated but that's me kind of like reprogramming the fact that i don't have to brace myself right. in fear anymore that's, that's wow, a common one for me what i the first time i had somebody read my my body in that way as a body worker they were like you hold your body in a way as if you're expecting to be perfect Mm, damn and it just like I was like it made all (laughs) the sense because my dad was so rigid he was such a perfectionist and my dad was both my parents were very visible and because I was their child I always had to like present well so and and the person said it feels like it must be exhausting and I was Mm -hmm. again like doesn't know anything about me. I'm not a, I'm not in therapy. I'm not like telling you my life. Just looking at my body and showing how seeing how that pattern of movement wow had crystallized in my body to that point, right? And the thing is is that like I'm older than everyone here, but as people are kind of getting into their 30s, that's when those patterns start to become really um like come online because you experience them as pain. Hello. Right. You experienced that. I've not been talking about this for months. months I've literally man. been in physical therapy because now yeah. everything that I kind of overlooked mm-hmm. has gotten to a point, like you say, it crystallizes and it's given me that option. Like you can either get worse or you can get better right totally. now. Yeah. And so for some people, it shows up other ways of like, you know, even diabetes or heart disease or all of that kind of stuff. And I mean, this is what the this is what the mind body field is about you know a lot of people always put me in the spiritual category i'm like no i'm in i work in the energy medicine mind body field because i always link everything with the spirit and the mind and the body because i think that's that's how you're going to really create like real change it's not just understanding spiritual concepts it's like okay now how do i do it in the body now how do i teach Mm. my body that strategy and Mm. it's overlooked too i think i think people just do yoga or get like massages and think you know that that's pretty much all yeah like that's all there is to do for the body i think Mm -hmm. one thing i will say i've learned from you especially from us being on tour i used to go nuts because i would be like haas we gotta do this that and the other and she'd be like girl i have to go like uh crane what the cranial (laughs) she'd be like i gotta go get cranial sacral treatment i'm like what is that like (laughs) we gotta get a venue for the tour girl (laughs) because i know because i can because i'm so in tune with my body now and my body my body is how i interpret like my my reality my body is how i read energy my body is how i read a situation right if my my instrument is not tuned how am i going to read anything else accurately Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying so it's like i need to be a finely tuned instrument because i'm also tuning other people Mm -hmm. like when i do the retreats I'm there as a tuning fork and I'm tuning other people. So if I'm not online with myself, I'm out of tune. How the hell are you going to How am I going to know else? what to talk yeah. about? How am I going to know what's relevant? How am I going to read the energy in the room How and know what to in? bring through? It's I'm not going to be connected. I'm going to be regurgitating or parent- parroting stuff that I read in a book. Mm. It's not going to be relevant and it's not going to resonate. So you had to go get a cranial. What was it called? <laughs> <laughs> a cranial what? <laughs> 
Cranial sacrum. I might be I might be inquiring myself. <laughs> and the thing about our tour is that we didn't have things planned. We no. would like tap into the collective once we sat down mm-hmm. and Haas and I would look at each other and be like, this is what's coming up. I'd be like, this is what's coming up for me right now. But in order for me to be Y'all like a medium, you know what I'm saying? But that's that's the thing. It's like it was, I, that's how you stayed finely tuned, though, because you yeah. couldn't show up and sit in front of all them people that paid and flew to see you. And you're like, hey, y'all. Yeah. And you're somewhere else. Like yeah. You're yeah. Somewhere, else. somewhere else. Yeah. Like yeah. That's the thing. It's like one, because I know that I'm a medium and a channel. Right. I know that my lifestyle has to support that. So I know that I am highly sensitive to environments to other people all of that so I have to take care of myself on a level that other people may think is over the top right yeah yeah but it's but like you literally exact, have to yeah it's like I'm not going to be an instrument I'm just going to be a rec- recorder mm-hmm. reading something that I read somebody else said right and you more than that right mm-hmm. yeah yeah <laughs> shit <laughs> you more than that high so, don't and, you and never again, let nobody tell you a recorder high. like my grandma would say don't take shit from nobody okay that's Your my grandma's message every woman. time period my grandma's like be kind but don't ever take shit from nobody. Shit, I need that tattooed on my head. Okay. I told these guys I have a first cousin who has a daughter that she drops her off at school every morning. To, remember I told y'all, have mm-hmm. a good day. Don't take no shit mm-hmm. every morning. That's my morning. grandma, I yeah. swear. <laughs> so. <laughs> y'all, <this is> so, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I mean, again, like it, this took me time to understand. But mm-hmm. like at some point, you know, like a big part of my work is that I am an advocate and a mentor for people who are highly sensitive. And being a highly sensitive is not an imaginary thing. It's actually something neurological. It's something that can be measured. Mm-hmm. We have a very sensitive nervous system. And I've been not understanding that I was a highly sensitive my whole life, but I knew something was different. Yes. Like I knew I was different. I knew that I was very overwhelmed by many types of sensory information that was coming in. And because of this work that I do with my nervous system, I've had to teach my nervous system how to be able to handle more complexity. Because if I was just having this sensitive nervous system and I can't be in a crowd or I can't be around people or I can't be around any negative energy, like how am I going to do my work in (laughs) the world? Right, right. How are you going to be in the world? How am I going to be in the world? And I've lived that life where I've just been like, I'm so sensitive, I can't deal. Yeah. Right. And I was like, that's not going to work. So again, I've had to teach my nervous system how to up level. Like I've had to teach my nervous system how to be able to take on more and not feel overwhelmed. And again, that's a process that I've been working on for years now over time and working with a specialist who who understands this, understands this work. And I can tell her what's going on with me specifically And she can look at my body and see what needs to shift in order for me to be able to get to that next level. What a blessing. Right. Talking Mm -hmm. about a resource. Mm. Okay. So, okay. So imprints, we were talking about um, movement patterns, posture, tactile sensitivity, right? Um, So again, you're like, maybe like what? But if you have an imprint, think about it. You might be like, for me, I can't touch velvet. 
I don't know why, <laughs> where that came from, mm-hmm. what happened. I don't know the correlation. All I know is I do not like velvet. I do not like how it feels. There's something tactile about velvet that for as long as I can remember, I don't like I, my nervous system. Like I get the heebie-jeebies from mm. it, right? Well, I wonder what happened with velvet in your And again, the brain is ancestry. so interesting. Like the brain... Who knows? I mean, I'm sure like people that study the brain know, but like, I don't know all the correlations of like the part of the brain that that triggers and what is connected to. It's also the part of the brain that does this thing, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. It might not actually be a thing that was related to velvet. It's just how it expresses itself. So that's mm-hmm. the example I was giving. So it can be tactile things, right? Illness. Mm-hmm. We all know that. That's my, <laughs> that was mine. Nervous system regulation or de- dysregulation how safe you feel, your resilience levels. Think about that one. Some people just feel like they don't have any willpower, like they're just not resilient. That can be a childhood imprint. Doesn't mean it's the truth of what's possible. It just means somehow it got imprinted to you that you're not resilient enough to handle whatever. Um, Whether you're calm and resourced or not. So those are just some that I covered in this class of talking about how they can express themselves. And now I'm going to talk about some of the actual imprints. <laughs> Lord, here we go. <laughs> okay. And you, you people are going to recognize themselves in them and they might say like, "Okay, I've worked on that one or I know that one. No, that's not mine." Or you're going to feel that one that you're like, "Oof." That's me. Oh, right? Lord. <laughs> what if they're all you? I know, right? <laughs> There's a plant for that. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's a plant for everything. Everything. Sure okay. okay. <laughs> y- y'all got all of them on the West Coast now. Just saying. So the first one we're going to talk about is emotional validation. So mm. this need for constant validation and acceptance as an imprint. <laughs> Who can relate? <laughs> Who <Please>. can't relate? <laughs> the more cool, the more the question. Because, <laughs> woof. Child. Okay. Right? The next one is how you request connection. Right? So think about it. Think about people. We all know someone. Think about people that can't tell when they're trying to make a connection with you and you're not. Responding. You're like, No. It's not going to happen. Oh, my God. That was at Roots Picnic this weekend. Yo. (laughs) Right? And someone's not emotionally available. Mm. But you can't read that. Right? Like, that... That (laughs) (laughs) That face. (laughs) All right. Now... playing ball now. Right. So, the the, the (laughs) thing I talked about with this one is there's actually a lot of studies about this, how requests for connection work. They did an experiment where there was um, the parent and the child are doing this kind of mirroring with each other. And the child is smiling and the parent is smiling back. So, that's how requests for connection work. They can be subtle. It can't be like, it doesn't have to be like, can I get your number? It's just looks and like, right, intimacy. Yeah, I love that part. (laughs) Right? And there's sort of this back and forth, yes. Mm -hmm. Right? So there's an an invitation and there's a response. It's And and again, it's like from childhood, you have this. So they did this experiment where all of a sudden the parent's face went blank. Ooh. 
And within, I'm trying to think about the time frame. Within 20 seconds, the child went into distress. Damn. Right. The nervous system went into panic mode because that the the mirroring that was happening was cut off. Imagine if you had a parent that was emotionally unavailable. I can. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Growing up. What does this do? This teaches you to train yourself to be ignored. Yes. Oh, right, sorry. Oz. That wasn't a question. <laughs> you said yes. No, that was the right answer. Yes. <laughs> so your so your nervous system is set up to override that feeling of distress. So when you're requesting a connection and smiling at someone, making eye contact, looking like, oh, that person, and that person is not emotionally available, they're not interested, and your nervous system is saying, this is not going to happen. This connection is not happening. It's one, it's one way. Instead of you, that internal alarm system alerting you to, you know, Where move you can away, read it, yeah. You keep going. So Shit. you end up blowing out your nervous system and damn. you train yourself to deny your own awareness. Oh, damn. <laughs> Look at everybody's face. Keep going. Okay. <laughs> Shit. That's what happened, huh? I mean, it's, a, it's so interesting, though, because I'm when I took the test a couple of years ago for the attachment style, mine was dismissive avoidant. And it's mm. the same thing. I had two emotionally unavailable parents. So I... Um, it took me a while to it's weird though because I can read energy really mm-hmm. well but I can be very distant at times well we've talked about this where people read me wrong and they think that I'm like closed off and I'm not but I I don't know now you, you got, got me thinking <laughs> now you got me thinking like well what am I bullshit broadcasting avoid. It's like so like what happens is like when that when that's the imprint from young again, if if you're a baby and this is happening, you literally might not even have a memory that you can go back to to anything that that is tangible. But your body, your nervous system is basically encoded to be rejected. Oof, child. So rejection is just like that. That You're like, oh, that's just normal. That's just how intimacy works. I get rejected. I'm pursuing, right? And I'm, I'm in, in, inviting people to connect with me. And, and they're not emotionally available or they're not interested. And I'm not being able to read it because it's just, it's so imprinted. That is how I see the world. Hmm. So it's normalized, right? So then... <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know nothing about that one. You good? I don't know nothing about that one. I, I like a good response. <laughs> yeah, I, right. So that's what I'm saying. Some people totally don't have that. Like, I don't have that one. Yeah, I don't have that one. Either. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, I'm know? like, you're not checking for me. Like, I, like, I'm barely the one that's doing the invitation. So it's like already. That's real. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like I, but, but sometimes I, I'll be out before I even get a good read. But that's the thing. Everybody <laughs> has their imprints. Right. And maybe it's because I was spent so much time with my grandmother when I was a newborn. That I was like, I had this like person who was like pouring love so and affection. Love. I remember one time I, I was like upset about something with with one of my parents and I was telling my grandma and my grandma just cut me off and she was like, you've been loved your whole life. Ooh. You have always been loved. She just cut me off. 
You know what I mean? And she basically just like, let me, I mean, she didn't say like, that's a story. But in other words, she was like, nope. Don't try it. Yeah. Nope. Mm-hmm. I don't want to hear it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and I was like, that's real. Because <laughs> I can access that in my body of, I was wanted. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So because of that, I don't have I don't I don't really have that abandonment imprint. I don't have that rejection imprint. That doesn't trigger me, right? Like if somebody is not interested in me, I think friend. it's funny. <laughs> friend. <laughs> but but I think yeah. it's funny too. But, but what I will say is because I don't have that, I've had to actually learn to be more sensitive because I'm because I'm like, what's the big deal? Like somebody's not checking for you, don't check for them, right? <laughs> But for other people, it's like it puts them into fight or flight mode and it brings up all this stuff. So I've actually had to learn because for whatever reason, I've been put in this world (laughs) to play the role of the rejector for a lot of people or the perceived rejector. People feel that I like that I'm not emotionally available to them. And I've had to learn to be a little bit more sensitive to that, that some people's imprint and to just learn how to have a little bit more compassion for people that I'm like, okay, I can tell this person has a story that I'm rejecting them and Mm. it's not really about me and that's okay. I don't need to take it on, but I can have some compassion for what they're experiencing. Still have the boundary of like, I'm not emotional. I'm still not emotionally available. Right. Let's be clear. <laughs> That's still going to be how this plays you, out. You, you ain't going to win then. Right. But. <laughs> Compassion, right? Yeah. So, like, that, that's what that looks like. I'll pat you on the back as I walk away. <laughs> I hope that works out for you. Yeah. Don't let the door not Y'all beat you. Y'all killing me. Right. <laughs> okay. So, the next one is um, fe- feeling, the feeling of being invisible, playing small. Now we'll tell you this is mine. I have this one or I've worked on this one and making yourself non-threatening. Mm, that's a big one. Hello, because, I'm a black man in America. How you doing? Right. Yeah. So like there's this me- somehow you've gotten the messaging that like you need to tone it down. Like you're too big. You're too much. You need to you need to be more invisible. You need to. Um, and I, I I have had a lot of experiences where I'm not doing anything to nobody. I'm not. We talked about we talked about this the other day um, where people have a reaction or a response to me. And I literally you like know, just for you being just for me being just mm-hmm. the audacity <laughs> to be me. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's the trigger for other people. Me just being in my power, me just having the audacity to like follow my passion and have it work out or whatever the nerve right so (laughs) so like you like you like i i have had experiences where i have made myself smaller i've made myself non-threatening to people um i'm not a big competitor like i'm not like competing with other people is not really my thing yeah but for whatever reason there will be this dynamic where people want to be in competition with me right yeah right and i'm so i'm like okay um how to how to work with that and when i didn't have better strategies i would make myself small i would make myself invisible i would try to be non-threatening i would go like i'll give you an example like let's say i have a guy friend he has a girlfriend Mm -hmm. i'm not doing anything 
like, right? But I'm like, I gotta go out of my way to make sure she's comfortable. And make sure and she knows we just shape. cool. Like, yeah. God forbid, like I look at him and hug him or have a normal in, intimate interaction, it's like it's a problem, right? So I don't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't make myself small anymore. Um I'm working on that now. Right. So, you know, and, and also just like... You've seen it when I walk into a room, I have to like turn on mm-hmm. a certain nurturing so that people feel safe. I don't know. Oh, friend. <laughs> have to. But the, you mean choose to? Cho- you're right. You're right. <laughs> Let me get my word in straight. But it always, you know, what's funny about having a friend like Haas is because she just shoots you a look and you're like, okay. <laughs> I'll Tough enough, Because I know friends, I know friends' patterns pretty intimately. Yes, you do. And I know when she's doing them. <laughs> and I like, I hold space for her. But I, I also tell her, like, I'm going to be collecting all of my I told you so coins at the end of this. Yes. I will want all of them. Every last one. Because you're aware. You realize that you're acting out of behavioral pattern. <laughs> you choosing to do it anyway. So however this plays out, like, I love you the same. But I'm going to be that person's going to be like, what did I tell you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Lovingly. Yeah. But I love it, though. To me, that's so awesome. That yep. you can have a friend you feel safe with and they can see when you step into your bullshit yep. kind of and they're just like, it's cool. It's and cool. I'll even go on the ride with her. I'll be like, you drive, I'll come with you. <laughs> but at the end, but just I so you know, yeah. <laughs> like, you are going to pay up. <laughs> Baby steps, friend. We still learning how to uh, be secure with ourselves, let alone find a friend we can be secure with and help us. Be secure. You talk, you over here talking about holding space. I'm like, I want somebody to hold space for me at all times. <laughs> no, that's why I'm like, our partnership is like such a blessing. I never take it for granted. Like for like legit, even us being able to work together and create together. Obviously, we'll we'll have announcements about that later. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's true. Like even all the ones that you're reading, I'm just like, oh my god, mm-hmm. I play into them. So the next one is, um, Fran, hold your, hold. I'm holding. You see me. (laughs) Over empathing, over functioning. Mm. Mm. (laughs) Okay. Yes. So this is the part. So I always talk about how I'm a retired empath. (laughs) Okay. Because for me, what over empathing and over functioning means is when I immediately interact with someone else's energy, I'm picking up on everything you're feeling. I'm suppressing my own needs and wants and desires, and I'm taking on everything you want. That becomes the priority. Yep. Right. In a relationship. So like everything, (laughs) the relationships needs become the other person's needs. So I don't have a voice. I don't have my own individual, right? Like desires and ways that I want to experience this. I basically mirror everything you want and need. And anything that, like, I can't even imagine doing anything different because I'll feel guilty. That don't even sound fun. <laughs> you know what Believe I'm saying? Me, it's not. Do you know, I don't know if this might tie in, but I feel like this was my life a lot when I 
started working in customer service. Like my first job was service. Like I worked at a movie theater mm-hmm. and then retail. The and that was always right. Cause not only is the customer always right, but I was one of those people that went to work to always work. So it's like, you know, you would work certain jobs and they would tell you, okay, put on, you know, you're on the stage. The show must go on. So whenever something's wrong, you have to just, you know, go with it. So I'm in the fitting room and people are cursing each other out fighting. And I'm like, I'm like, ladies, ladies, like trying to be nice. At this point, the cops need to be called or something like that. I'm, and I'm just trying to do my customer servicey job and make sure everybody's okay <laughs> in the fitting room. Smile. Service with a smile. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what about yourself? You don't want to get in this fight. You don't want to become liable for something in case you touch somebody mm. or somebody touches you. Like all of these things that you don't think about because you're just thinking about, oh, right. I, have to, I have to so do you're like this. Over- but you don't- you're overriding your own like instincts mm-hmm. of what to do. You know, and the the quote that I have that people love about this is selflessness that comes from being meek, passive and more concerned with being a servant than completing your own purpose. It may sound noble, but it's self-sabotage. Make sure your good nature doesn't have you doing more than your share of work and neglecting your own path. So it's like it can get to the to the level where you literally are such a servant to everyone else that you don't even know what your individual purpose is, whether it be in the situation or in life. You don't know how to function as an individual because you're all about the collective. Like you're all about everyone, what everyone else needs. You're overgiving. You're a niceaholic. You're (laughs) right. Like you're a chronic overgiver. And it's like almost like being a doormat. Mm. It can like there are different iterations of it, obviously, but it can get to that point where you don't even know what you want and need. Right. And I had this. So that's why I'm very intimate with this one. And I've worked on it the most. I do know that for me, some of these imprints came from when I was literally in the womb and they they sort of like painted my worldview so much that I thought being in like I came across this idea of I'm an empath wow that makes so much sense because I'm feeling everyone else's feelings and I've been doing that since I was a child and I've been like feeling the energy in the room and I've been like whatever negative energy in the room like I'll clean it up I'll transmute that (laughs) right and rather than having boundaries And again, you come into these concepts that reinforce the narrative you already are perpetuating. And at some point I was like, no, this is this ain't it. Like this is overfunctioning. And the reason that I learned that is because when you are, I believe when you're a chronic empath, an involuntary empath, eventually you're going to attract a narcissist because there is that. There's that soul contract mm. between the empath and the narcissist. So you're going to meet someone. You're going to be like, they're like, you want to overgive? Okay. <laughs> well, I'm a chronic overtaker. So we're a perfect match. Mm. <laughs> this is essentially a dismissive avoidant dating the anxious. Let's talk about it. <laughs> right. Damn. Right. So that's the thing. Ooh, it's like a you, match made in hell. And the, the deep thing about, cause like, you know, there's a lot of people talk about like narcissism and how to get away from a narcissist. I, what I think about the narcissist, cause I did a class breakdown on this too. <laughs> what I think about the narcissist is that the narcissist and the empath actually have a very similar energetic makeup. They both know how to read people. The difference is that the narcissist, the narcissist is all about service to self. 
where the empath is all about service to others. So let's think about the the level of dysfunction in that type of relationship. Right. You have two people that can always read other people's energy and tune into other people. One of them uses that to their advantage and the other one uses that to be selfless. So it's a it's a wake up call for the empath to realize like at some point I have to assert my own will. I have to assert my own needs. I have to actually not feel what the other person is feeling. I have to train myself how to not be codependent, how to not over empath, how again, if you, and again, this, this sounds almost narcissistic, but again, we're talking about it in a way to counterbalance an already dysfunctional imprint. You have to be able to see someone who's in emotional distress and you not match their energy. Like it's that it's that deep, like in order to balance out this imprint, right, of being over functioning, being a niceaholic, you have to learn how to have someone be emotionally escalating and not meet them in that emotional emotional escalation. Hard to do. (laughs) Very hard to do. (laughs) But here's my question. Mm -hmm. Do you because I feel that I was a narcissist for most of my life as a, as survival, just because I being that my parents were emotionally unavailable. It was just like a, an energy I was familiar with. And so I kind of took it on myself, but then I met someone who was my match. <laughs> he was like, you want to play narcissist? <laughs> and then suddenly I became an empath through like, uh, giving in, but then I didn't know how much to give in, so I gave in too much, and so I'm. I feel, at least in my understanding, I don't think people are one or the other. Correct. They can kind of yeah. slide in and out depending mm-hmm. on circumstance and like what's needed in that, or at least what they perceive to be needed in that moment. Because I feel like I've been slipping and sliding. Now, obviously, I haven't been in a relationship in a while, so I don't know what. I'm embodying now, mm-hmm. which I'm hoping is neither one or something in the middle, mm-hmm. but mm. you can jump in and out, right? Well, so yeah. So that's what I want to say about both the attachment theory and this idea of empath narcissist. It's about behavior. It's not like you were using like a these, set pattern. Yeah. It's not like you are the narcissist, right? right? Like, yeah. or you are the, you know, uh, you know, the empath it doesn't have to be. That's why I say you can retire from being it. So people are like, you right. can't retire from being an empath. It's a choice. Right? Like, I'm like, no, I'm still highly sensitive. I still read people's energy. I just don't, you know, um, unintentionally take on all of the energy in the room so much that I'm the sponge and I leave the conversation feeling like crap and you leave feeling better. <laughs> I'm not doing that anymore. Right? Hmm. So that I retired from. And I retire from overfunctioning. I retire from like every time somebody has a need, I jump in and need to save them. Like all that savior complex. That's the stuff that I re- retired from. And it was training myself and my body to do it differently. But the thing I'll say about your question is I know you and you're a caregiver through and through. Through and through. Mm-hmm. Through and through. I am. Like, so if there was narcissistic tendencies, I'm sure that it was a protective mechanism that you had as a bubble over top of all that gushy stuff. One thousand in the inside. Yeah. I think that's a different difference from not and someone who was truly embodying 
the narcissistic tendencies. Got you. Which is more I chronic. just more so like put it on. For you put a while. on the, the the shell of a narcissist to protect yourself from that type of energy. And that makes sense to me. Like I also put on a tough girl shell. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? Like I had to and I had to take a ice pick and chisel that away Child. and and like and and realize that like this the gooey lovey part of me that was always in the center right <laughs> the lollipop center right like I had to be okay with like letting that part be what people see and meet that's mm-hmm. me now as opposed to like the tough girl or the like um you know what's the other thing like just being really overprotective of myself because I was so sensitive and because I know how generous I am because I know I can't absorb like a sponge, other people's stuff. Yeah. You know, I did have to create that, you know, that survival outer layer of protection um, that I think you're you're saying that it, for you, it played out as like taking on the sort of narcissistic tendencies that you saw like, oh, these people don't get hurt. So if I act like this, that's going to work for, for me. Yeah. Yeah. Because that was literally it. My grandma even used to say it. She encouraged me to like cheat mm. on men. And it was like a long going. Yeah, it was ongoing joke when yeah. I would cheat on people mm. or I would like hurt mm-hmm. people or do things that they found like savage. You know, mm-hmm. you took on the savage. She loved it. She oh, was I like, I'd rather because <laughs> she felt like, you know, her grandkid. I'd rather you be doing that to people than people to do it to you. And she was speaking from her place of like having been hurt. So she's like, do it. Live it up. Hurt as many men as you need to. Yeah. I mean, she's she's teaching you. (laughs) Yeah. She's teaching you strategies (laughs) for survival. That were what was available at that time. And things that I'm sure that your grandmother in her own way wished that someone would have been there to Mm -hmm. say to her. You know what I mean? To to help her get through some of those situations. So the intention is fine. Dog, they asked. (laughs) Trina has a lyric. I hate to go off topic. But Trina has a lyric where she says, dog niggas out like rental cars. (laughs) And and if you think about it, when you got a rental car, you know, you don't give a damn. You go over potholes, all that. Oh, shit. no. <laughs> so I agree with to it with the abuela. Right. And so on. I took that on. Yeah. But now at this age, that shit is just not fun. Yeah. I mean, and I think the thing that we can all say. <laughs> Justin's like, you sure? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a little fun, but I, mean, I don't want to play no just more. Started, you know I, think the thing, <laughs> I think the thing we can say about looking at strategies, and this is probably an important time to say this, too, so that there's no like. There doesn't mean to be any shame right. about these strategies. That's the like, one, yeah. you know, like, because the thing is, is that like you're, you're, you survived, right? That's, that's what your body knows. Your, your body and your nervous system are like, oh, guess what? I didn't get hurt. So it's almost as if your body is like, that's a successful strategy, right? For that time. And if that's what you have available, it's like, yeah, there's no shame in that. That's all you knew. And that's the strategy that you use to survive. But I think the conversation that is happening a a lot for people now is, okay. so I survived and I need more than that. Right. Right. Like, I know there's more. I I might not know what the more is, but I want to thrive. I want to see what's possible. And I also know that, like, some of these strategies are probably going to have to go if I want to step into a new way of feeling and being in in relationships and with myself. Some of these strategies of like uh, being the tough girl, 
Like, I'm going to have to let that go, you know? Mm-hmm, yeah. And that's what that's what reparenting the inner child is. Literally. Because yeah. the, my tough girl is 16 years old. And I can I can connect to, <laughs> you know, but the thing is that a lot of times you can connect to the inner 16-year-old. You can, I can hear the voice. I can experience see the it. outfit. I can see the body language. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, and I love the, the choreography. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's still in me. And right? I love that you bring that up because I think when people discuss reparenting their inner child, they think it's just like this one kid. No, but it's no, like no. all of them. Yeah, there is a whole gang. <laughs> There's a whole gang in there. And, you know, like I had done a lot of inner child work and there's a lot of different ways you can do it. Like I said, sometimes you can do it through hypnotherapy. Sometimes you can do it with a shaman. I've done it a lot of different ways. And you actually go and connect to sort of like that part of you that is stuck in that state. There's a part of you that like basically atrophied um and fragmented mm. because of a situation that was like too much for you to handle so a part of your spirit like broke off mm. and is sort of stuck in that state yep. and what happens is when you revisit a scenario that has the same dynamic the same energetic dynamic as that situation that part of you gets activated because it's still living from that spot so like how you can do that work and bring that part of you into awareness and say like oh wow there's this part of me that when i was when i was that age i went from being in a very very isolated childhood where i went to like private school with everyone in my community and then i was put into public school out of nowhere that was the first time I experienced bullying. The first time I experienced girls just like, like coming up to you and like bumping into you and being like, get out my way. And like, <laughs> mm-hmm. I see you talking to my boyfriend and then, you know, that was the first time I experienced any of that kind of stuff. And it was all of a sudden out of nowhere. So I really quickly had to adapt all of these tough girl tendencies to because, survive because I was like a, I was like a, I stood out. <laughs> I stood out that I was just like naive, like different, you know, um, weird person. Right. And and it was like I got my ass handed to me because of that. So it was very quickly I had to sort of take on all these like tough tendencies. And um, and it wasn't just like it wasn't just bullying where it was just like, I don't like you. It was like girls trying to jump you yeah. just because. Yeah. yeah, like it was re- it was real. It wasn't like a made up threat. Mm-hmm. Right. It was actual threats. But what happened is because I was quick to like I might walk out of school and a bunch of girls might try to jump me for no reason. That stayed with me in my nervous system. So I was the first one that would be like. You looking at me funny? Like, put hands on somebody. <laughs> Dang. Right? Way later, after the actual threat was gone, I still had that feeling in my nervous system of like, out of nowhere, somebody could cause you physical harm. That's so real. You know? And so, yes, I really had to, like, learn how to be like, is there a real threat right here? Or is there a perceived threat and if it's activating in my body that there's a real threat and it's not, I got to take care of myself. I got to go get some cranial sacral. I got to go <laughs> get a massage. 
I got to go in the deprivation tank or whatever I need to calm myself down and be like, you're okay. This nothing's getting ready to happen. But I noticed I had that hair trigger right response to sort of physical stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and, it and was, that's the reparenting right and it was a it, again the thing that said how it can show up is over emotional reaction right so again a lot of people it was funny because we both had a reading done and we got an <laughs> astrology reading and we both got back that we have really <laughs> bad tempers y'all done jumped on this astrology but the funny thing <laughs> is he was so surprised he was surprised for me he was like this showed up for Fran too and I'm also so surprised it shows you have a really like high temper yeah and people said, don't, don't realize it know. I had yeah. to Man, listen. you don't need because he was like, I don't see you clapping back on people online. I don't see. I said, I don't even respond because I already know if you take me there, it's not going to be good. It's not going to be good. OK, so I have a question there. Right. <laughs> so like so like because this is what I struggle with. Mm-hmm. Right. Just what you just got through talking about how we can say we can consider something like a perceived threat. Yeah. And then we respond according to what we know that to be or the imprint. <clears throat> they get paying attention. So now, isn't that the same thing, though? What you just mentioned where mm-hmm. you're like, I just feel like it's all anticipatory behavior yeah, based absolutely. on your experience. Is that a bad thing? Is that a bad thing for me to know that I'm in a situation that there could possibly be this turn of events if things are allowed to progress. So let me stop the behavior by responding how I feel is accordingly at that time to communicate to the person like that's not going to work over here. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Is that something that I need to work on or is it, is it something that is a a good tool for me to have because I can prevent myself from ending up in circumstances Mm -hmm. where the outcome could be, you know, less Wouldn't than that advantageous be a case for me. Case by case, it's honestly like this. This is because like, I'm struggling. Yeah, <laughs> no, I mean, I'm actually feeling it. I'm like, I feel it inside. Like when you're talking about it, because I have had that situation too, where I'm like, this person wishes me harm. Like I'm very clear, this person wishes me harm, right? And 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 in knowing that, I'm like, I need to defend myself. Right. But that's when it gets into like feeling in your body. Am I clear enough in tune right now to be able to read that? Right. Like, am I actually clear enough in tune to be able to read? And this is the thing, because a lot of times people are like, what's the point of energy work? I'm like, the point of energy work is the difference between getting pulled over by a cop and you're he's emotionally escalating and you're emotionally escalating to meet them. And then the energies are firing off against each other. And then it escalates as opposed to this person is emotionally escalating. I see there's a real threat, but I also know that I have the ability to tune into myself and pull something different through than what I normally do. So in such a way that I can shift the situation. It's real. I mean, and I've seen I've seen things turn a completely different way because I've been willing to change my energy, right? So I'm not saying that the reaction doesn't come up, but you may have to really in that moment like dig deep have and that just pause button. Have that pause button and just say, "I can feel in my body right now this chemistry is going not in a good place." Mm-hmm. 
you know, and if you if you have that perception to be able to know that you already know in that moment that you can make a different choice. I'm not saying you should or shouldn't or this. Just know that you can. I well, think I did. Knowing that you can. <laughs> right. This just happened to me mm-hmm. Memorial Day weekend. I had a, mm-hmm. a pre-existing um, disagreement with someone mm-hmm. who I have a very close relationship with. Um, and we have tons and tons of mutual friends. And so we were all in the same place at the same time. And this was the, we had, we were just seeing each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and, we had a bit of a confrontation and initially like I was responding and it was more important to me mm. in the beginning of the confrontation to communicate to them that I wasn't going to tolerate any disrespect, especially mm-hmm. since we know each other personally and mm-hmm. like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it becomes a little bit deeper, mm-hmm. but then Haas, I had just gotten finished taking pictures with literally like two minutes prior. I had just finished taking pictures with two people who listened to the show Mm. were so excited to see me. You know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. I was excited to see them and I felt some sort of accountability to Mm. that experience and also to like my actions in the moment. Mm -hmm. And it was weird because Mm -hmm. I thought about it. Like I can't, deal with I thought about the consequences of what could possibly happen Mm -hmm. on me you know I had things to do that week you know what I'm saying like in that moment my thoughts were firing rapidly and for some way somehow I was able to find that pause button and press it Mm -hmm. and I had to really in that moment ask myself if I cared what people who watched that situation thought about me or any of that. I just had to totally break down all those thoughts and I was drinking and I had enjoyed the sidewalk. (laughs) So, but I, but I was able to use my tools in that moment and avoid things getting out of control. Right. Well, what I love that you did, I'm going to give you a round of applause because that's a a very real scenario for people. That's a real scenario for me that probably a lot of people that don't know me in real life that follow me online would probably think oh she's all love and light and I really for a long time and I for me I don't know for you I grew up in a household with domestic violence Mm -hmm. so when I talk about that feeling in my body Mm -hmm. of like there's a real threat Mm -hmm. right since young Mm -hmm. that feeling of like violence could erupt at any moment was I had to really work on it because it was from childhood Mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying and so even though I didn't experience like bullying from like my peers until I went into that middle middle school situation it was clear to me that when I was in middle school the reason that it escalated so much is because I had already had that imprinting of the domestic going up in a home with domestic violence. Okay. So that for me was a very, very real threat mm-hmm. that, and as a child, I couldn't do anything. Mm-hmm. That feeling of like that violence can happen and you could not be able to defend yourself or that you could not be able to defend the people that you love and you're just helpless. That for me was the worst feeling. And so it was very, it was deep. So when somebody would do something, when I tell you the flashes of like, I'm going to lose it. Like it would, I would have that, you know, where they say you like see red. I would have a flash of the outcome, like going this way. And I would really, I really had to work on it. Like it took years of me having to work on it. And what I realized is I don't like that people have that power over me. That was the main mm. thing that shifted for me. That's what stops me every time. I don't like, 
like regardless of what you think you're going to do, whatever, I don't like that someone else can be doing something and I can feel this way in my body. I don't want anyone to be able to have that that button that they can push. You know what I'm saying? I was like, I need to take that control back that people can be doing whatever they want to do, like wah, 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 like run in their mouth. <laughs> and in that moment, I'm not feeling anything. Like, that's what I wanted. I wanted to be, and it's not like a, yes, the pause button is great, but I knew that the, that the, for me, the, like the piece that I was looking for was the fact that I didn't even need to pause because I didn't even feel anything. Because you didn't even care. And it didn't even kick up anything. Yeah. I didn't even get triggered. So I was like, I'm going to keep working on this until I get to that point. I'm not saying that there aren't still situations that can bring it out of me. Like there are definitely a few people that mm-hmm. still have access to that button, but strangers, no. Yeah. I didn't like that strangers mm-hmm. could have that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? You know, like any random person could bring that out of me. Because you would be an <clears throat> emotional wreck if anyone I was a wreck. could just tap into that. I was yeah. a wreck. My yeah. body felt wrecked from that. So that's what I would say. I would say that, you know, is I don't I don't like to go into like right or wrong or should or supposed to, whatever. Mm-hmm. But just like does this still work for you? Does it still work for right. you to be having someone that has that much power that they can bring up that kind of feeling in your body where you're going to step outside of where you're at? Like you were enjoying the event where you were, what you were doing. Also step outside of where your life is at that current state. Exactly. Right? It's a hell of exactly. an assessment to make because mm-hmm. you have to think about what you literally have to lose or you put at risk. You have to think risk. about it quickly. Yeah. And Which so it's a lot because I'll be wanting to beat people's <laughs> face in when they feel like mm-hmm. they can try yeah. to get over on me or try yeah. to do something wrong to me. I'll be high. I'm serious. I'll be wanting to like literally take my fist and I beat know. the shit out of people. But that's not a mature thing to do. And it's also it just doesn't work. It just yeah. does not work. Yeah. It's never it worth results. it, though. I think to me, what stops me is I in that moment, I look past and I'm like, if I were to beat this person, the consequences, how much that's going to take me off of my trajectory exactly. that I'm like well, trying that's to what do, I was gonna say. That, that shit that, stops that's me in my tracks. Say. More even for me. You're than, not you're not going to do that to me. Like yeah. take me out of my path. No, right. that's yeah. what I was going to say. When it comes to like understand this kind of stuff, it's also important to like find the right way that fits you to look at it. Because for me, like, honestly, I don't care about maturity. I'm going to just be honest. Like, <laughs> to, be I like, to be like, oh, this is the mature thing. Like that doesn't register. Like, I don't care person. about that. Like I don't care about being a bigger person. What I cared about is I was like, wait a minute. You mean to tell me that if I keep choosing this outcome, I'm going to keep reinforcing that I want more of this? Oh no, no. Right, because no. I don't that want it. I don't. That that clicks for me. Like that's, that's the motivation real. for me to not continue to play into that scenario because I do know that over time, choosing the same thing over and over again, choosing the same outcome over and over again is gonna reinforce it in my body and in my mind. Again, creating that same chemical cocktail addiction. I was like, no, I'm breaking an addiction right now. Like it's as it's as real as if I was gonna go to reach for drugs or alcohol or mm-hmm. whatever, right? Like popping off was that addiction for me, getting into altercation. And that's why now, literally online all day, I don't even react to people. I ha- I, I'm so grateful that I have this strategy in place because the level of nonsense that comes online, I'm sure you know. Mm-hmm. 
is beyond. Like is beyond, right? It's beyond is middle school all over again, right? And that's the thing. It's like and you'll be looking for the you things you look for reasons to pop day. off. You will you could spend your whole day in that zone, which is gonna take away from again, we talked about energy leaks yeah. last time. If you have a certain amount of energy currency to spend today, right? Do I want to spend it on this person just to make sure they know they got me fucked up? Like, no, I (laughs) don't. I really don't. But I do know that, right, you know, in that moment, that is my paradigm. So the reaction is going to want to go that way. And that's what I was going to say. What I love that you did is you observed the story that was coming up. You observe, you're like, okay, right now, like my mind is telling myself, like, I need to let them know. And I did. And you were just like, but let me pause. Right. And you were working it out. And the one thing I want to say about creating change in the brain is that the very first thing you experience is cognitive dissonance. When you're trying to make those changes, you're going to have just like you did. You didn't even realize it, but you were having those thoughts that were kind of like a little bit on this end, but a little bit on that end. That's because your brain is actually creating a new path. It's been so used to going on the same road. Right. (laughs) Exactly. And you're trying to get the you're trying to get the energy to go on a different path. But because it's going still on both. You're experiencing that cognitive dissonance. That shit was rough. You you really have to be. That's why people say, how do you do it? It's in the moment. Mm -hmm. It's the the tools are only as strong as they help you in the moment. You could Mm -hmm. do a million hours of meditation at home and all that. It's great. But what it's really for at the end of the day is when you're in that moment again, where you always get hooked where you the up until now, this has always been able to hook me. I've always been able to have this kind of person take me out of my joy. I've always have been able to have this kind of interaction, make me give my power away. This needs to change, right? So it's like that. It's recognizing like this is where I get hooked. <laughs> you know? And, and for me, what that I love so good, huh? <laughs> bait on that hook. Oh, I'll be wanting to say. <laughs> what I love, I'm, honestly, what I love, and I always say, I love when I revisit an old situation. Yeah, that would have really took me out. Yeah, oh, that's the that best. Mm. I feel that. That's why I always say, when an old situation doesn't trigger you, you know you've healed. That means you've healed it on the brain level, the body, on the body level, in your heart. Like, you didn't you tweet that the other day levels. or something? I retweeted. No, I or posted. Somebody posted. Somebody I reposted Haas, yeah. yeah. When you you know you're over a situation. When you when healed. You, yeah, yeah she when you posted don't, it on her when, story. When it's the same exact scenario. Like, the person still acts like that. Because think about it. People are always going to be like that. That's the thing you have to realize. Damn. And that There's person always... knew what they were doing. They know me. And so they like, knew that, you know, goading me into mm-hmm. that sort of situation where like, you're being blatantly disrespectful. But you know what it is? It's energy siphoning, too. You got That's also what got me out of that loop. Because mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this is how this person steals energy from me. Mm-hmm. This is how people siphon energy from you. They get a reaction out of you. And they're feeling low energy. And they see you as a high energy person. They're like, if I can bring you to my vibration and get some of your energy, I leave feeling better. 
Wow. Right? <laughs> that, so that was the thing. I was like, okay, letting them know they got me fucked up or not giving them my energy, like, damn. And again, it was a process, but I knew in terms of the actual paradigm that really aligned with me and who I want to be, I was like, it's for sure this. You're and right, honestly, uh, let's talk about it. That hits way harder. Experience Fuller Plates and Fuller Wallets with Every Plate, America's best value meal kit. Every Plate dinners are the cheaper, healthier alternative to takeout or delivery. Other dinner options cost around 10 bucks per serving, but Every Plate offers five chef-designed recipes each week from only $4.99 per serving. One meal at $4.99 is the same price as that cup of coffee you buy every day, the same price as the first minute that you pay on the chat line every day, the same price as, you know, several different things that you may personally purchase. It ain't my business. I'm here to talk about every plate. Whose recipes are easy to follow and come together in about 30 minutes so you can get back more time to enjoy good food with family, friends, or F buddies. And you'll never buy more ingredients than you need because every plate's recipes come with everything already pre-measured. Every plate does the meal planning, shopping, and prepping for you, taking the time, stress, and guesswork out of cooking. This works in my personal life because I ain't got a lot of time. So I needed something that was simple. Every plate literally be right there in the thing. You do what you need to do to it. The instructions are very simple to follow. And it just helps me out in my life because I save time. And everybody knows that time is what? Money, 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 money. Okay. <clears throat> For six free meals across your first three weeks and free shipping on your first delivery, go to everyplate.com and enter code FRIENDZONE6. That's the number six. This offer equates to one third off each of your first three boxes when you go to everyplate.com and enter code FRIENDZONE6. Lively offers bras and undies that blur the aesthetic lines of lingerie, active, and swim, taking the best elements of high style and functionality from each to create an entirely new category of lingerie. Lively is where high style meets ultimate comfort with soft fabrics, lounge-worthy fits, and clever details that support your life. Wear it all day because it's the most comfortable bra you'll ever wear. I'm actually wearing one right now. And it's kind of awesome that Haas is here with us because she's the one that was always talking to me about the no wire bras. And I was like, I don't know if mine can hang. But, you know, I switched over and I... I'm a convert now. That's what's up. I keep wanting them calling them wireless bras, but they make it sound like it has Wi-Fi. So I have to say, <laughs> <laughs> no wire bras. No wire bras. Electric bosom. <laughs> Electric bosom. <laughs> Lively offers a range of bra styles for all different body types, available in 32A all the way to 44 triple D. So you have no excuse. I definitely didn't think that mine could hang, but they hang in. Choose from bralettes to t-shirt bras, push-up bras, plunge bras, and no wire. I want to say wireless. No wire bras to find your new go-to pieces. Lively believes in charging one price for all women, so it's always one price for all. Any style, any color, any size. Use the step-by-step fit guide to find the perfect fit for you. And enjoy free and easy returns. For a limited time, get $10 off your first order by visiting wearelively.com forward slash friendzone and entering friendzone at checkout. That's W-E-A-R-L-I-V-E-L-Y.com slash friendzone. Promo code friendzone. Only available in the U.S. 
yeah. when yeah. they can't yeah. even access you, yeah. that hits way oh, harder. They feel they, they feel because they're shit. like, oh yeah. shit! Like I didn't even, I don't even have the power to rile you up. Totally. Like I'm, you're so blocked off from yes, me having you're that. Right, friend. To me, that's so much swaggier to me. Like I love it. I'm like, you don't. There's it's nothing. It's also you a can more do. stinging pain, yes. which, which <laughs> piques my interest. It's that's like, like yeah, that's I, what I'm saying. So that's what I'm saying. If 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 saying like that's the more mature thing that resonates, great. But find the way of looking at it and talking about it that really feels authentic to you and truthfully. You can like really step Because then into. it's going to be the motivation. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, because for me saying like, oh, be more mature, like that's not going to motivate me. That's going to make me feel shame to me. Right. right? Like mm-hmm. I'm going to be like, oh, well, damn, here's me not being mature again. Right. right. So I always like to look at how I want to feel about things in a way that feels empowering, Amen. not shaming or like thinking of that making myself bad for doing it this way it's like oh no actually that's fine that's a fine strategy and i could do it this way and this is a little better for who i want to be that that's the way that i look at it and that works and then i know again that the process is stages i know that i'm gonna get tested right and again I, i say get tested but i really know that we create these tests i do have to say that we create these situations where we have the opportunity to see, like, can yeah, I apply at. the things I learn? Yeah. Can I be this person who I say I am? Right. When the when the rubber meets the road, can I actually play it out? Because if it's just theory, it's going to collapse when the situation meets you. It's just like you said, how once you start choosing the themes for the classes mm-hmm. that you teach, you always, you inevitably end up in these situations that are directly related to the theme. Mm-hmm. And you're no longer just teaching from a place of theory. Yep. You're now teaching from experience as yeah. well. Like embodiment. So, right. Yeah. And it's like, and the thing is, is that I always say this is a pretty basic metaphysical principle is that you also, this is also what motivated me. I was like, oh, you mean to tell me that this is going to just keep showing up again and again and again until I master it? You know, it's like, that's the thing. Like, this is, again, my personal cosmology is that we're here to learn these certain lessons, right? And because of that, those places where we get hooked, they're going to keep coming. They're going to keep coming. It's part of the game here. I want to keep coming, but I don't want those situations to keep coming to me. (laughs) And just like you said, Haas, you said that, that you can't, when you're in certain situations and when you're using your tools, you have to do this because because if you keep responding the same way, you're going to keep inviting that situation. Exactly. It's going to be cyclical, exactly. right? Exactly. But you were like, if you stop that and do something different, you're training mm-hmm. your body to now do it in a different way and mm-hmm. stop having that experience repeat itself. Yeah. And that's what I, I'm holding on to right Totally. Now. And then what happens and then how it sort of plays out in a in a bigger context is one that person isn't even coming to your sphere anymore. Yeah. Like a situation will happen and you'd be like, oh, that person came an hour later. Oh, well, I had just left anyway. Like it's almost like your energy <laughs> can't line up with yeah. them because mm-hmm. you're on a different frequency. That's real. So mm-hmm. that happens for sure. And then you will sometimes get that um, energy dynamic will come back up just to make sure that you're, you're still yeah. in your mastery. Mm. That, And I love when I'm like, Ooh, I see it. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Okay. I, got I, I get really excited. I do. I'm like, I see this dynamic so clear, <laughs> so clear. I see exactly what this is. And I realized like the last time this lesson came around, I, I passed, but I didn't nail it. Mm-hmm. Right. And then, and again, you have to decide what that looks like for you. For me, 
the most authentic version of me is very in her power, very graceful, very compassionate, but also I don't take no shit from nobody. So that's what I want to embody. I want to body embody all of those things. Like I have clear boundaries, but I'm kind. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I know exactly what you mean. So that's yeah. the thing. It's like I ha- you have to keep refining who you are. Also recognizing that these imprints are real and we're going to have to clear and work them out. And I don't know if we have time for a few more, but that's the thing. I think for me, ultimately, it's like not in a cheesy way, but it's like becoming a more refined version of myself over and over and over, over time. Really having these experiences that I've had and really learning from them and really say, and again, for me, because I am a mentor for a lot of people, I'm like, I want to master this because I want to be able to teach other people like you can do this different. You don't have to follow that roadmap. There's a completely different way that you can feel in your body. There's a completely different way. And people are going to look at you and be like, how are you doing what you're doing? Yeah. Right. It's going to, to them, it's going to be like, this person is doing something magical, but it's really just refining your personality and your energy and your character and your behavior and your beliefs, all of that stuff over and over and again, so that you're living in like what I call the destiny timeline, what Fran calls, what do you call it? The miracle realm? The miracle realm, yeah. Because I will tell you that the more you take energy out of those old timelines where you're just like, I'm learning these karmic lessons of like not to give my power away and da 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 the more you clean those old timelines up, they fall away. Yeah. They really do. That's real. They really do. And then you have access to more possibilities, more things that a lot of people you know might not be even able to access because they're still learning those same sort of middle school lessons. You're like, oh, and it's not a ju- it's not like, oh, I'm on a higher plane. It's not like that. It's but a it different is, plane. It is. It's just like, okay, those are lessons that you were learning in sort of like middle middle school or school, <laughs> right? And then it's like high school. And then you go into like a master's program. Fran always laughs, cracks me up because she's like, Haas, you are for sure in a master's program because <laughs> I'd be like, of, that's an AP class. <laughs> <laughs> because some of the stuff that gets thrown at me, she's yeah, like, I'll be like, bro, <laughs> what the fuck? And, and the thing about it is, is like when she, when I'm talking about it, I'm not stressed. I'm not worried. Right. I'm like, I, but I already know what it is. Yeah. I already see it so clear. I know what I'm going to do. I know how I'm going to show up. I'm going to nail this shit. Like, and that that's that's why I say it's energy self-mastery. It's like I know myself so well, I can read an energy like that coming down the street. I just cross the street now. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't become a part of my reality. I don't get hooked as easily as I used to. I tell you, the days of slapping the shit out of people sure were fun. <laughs> and your awareness shifts it too, because this is just like a smaller example, but mm-hmm. I was at Whole Foods waiting online, and I guess when I had turned my head, I didn't notice, but the guy like cut through me in a way that I guess was disrespectful, but I honestly did not see him. Like mm-hmm. I was looking in another direction, and the girl next to me went, off on him like mm-hmm. she's yelling and telling him you don't do that da, 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 da. and she's like hyped like sweating yelling and I'm standing there like completely <laughs> I was like what yes. just happened like thank you girl yeah and then she turned to me like don't let people treat you like that and in my head I'm like 
I don't even know what happened. Like you he know? missed you. That's what I was saying about it, the frequency. When I Not tell you, I turn page. literally yeah. on a different frequency. Yo, I like, turn my head, head to look for the kombucha when the guy walked past. <laughs> no, I swear. I so I didn't see him. He <laughs> cut by me, and this girl's like in her head, like fighting this because, man. No judgment, but she's looking for it. But that's how I'm like when you have pop off energy. You literally You're attracted. A it really, you really. I Meanwhile, was a magnet. I was like, I "Oh, it's lavender that. love kombucha," and I turned my head to grab it. <laughs> the guy walked past because he probably saw me turn. You don't even turn. know how many situations. That's why I, I gave that example of something happened and it just missed me. Like the right. timing of it. it I'm doesn't seeing become that more, a, more and more. I'm aware of it, but it doesn't become a part of my reality. Like Fran, Fran is aware of things that are happening on social media relevant to me mm-hmm. and she'd be like there's this whole scenario and I'd be like girl she'd be like know. oh I didn't even see it <laughs> I don't see yeah. anything like I don't see shit like, <laughs> I'd be loving it because she'd be like oh really okay. <laughs> but people think I'm in la la land but it's like it's just because I'm on a different I'm on a different wavelength it just dropped off from it like it yeah it drops off I you get know that. and I do see people that are kind of on that perpetual wavelengths of like being in contention being in like you know drama whatever and it's not a judgment it's like clearly there's something there still for them to learn but I just don't I don't want to learn anymore of that like I feel like I'm I'm good I got it I get it I get that I have to be in my power I am I speak up when I need to I know my voice I will use my sword when I need to like I have all those tools. Now, what else is going on? Right. So I'm like, ooh, so what else is in the universe? What else is possible in the universe? Like, I'm excited about what's possible. I'm excited about always discovering new possibilities that are available that, like, no one is talking about. Yes. Yes. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, and I do, like, think about it. I stumble into things. People are like, how the hell do you find out about? I'm like, this shit finds me. <laughs> I swear, like, I'll find someone that does some kind of crazy advanced, like, body work thing. And then be like, how do you find this stuff? <laughs> I'm a magnet for it because that's the energy I'm putting out. That You're I'm broadcasting like, that you want more of that. Yo, I'm like next level. That's my main frequency right now is next level. What's the next level? And it's not from a place of like, I need to achieve anything or prove anything. I just love unlocking like, those levels. I love yeah. it. I love just how there's just always new things being created, you know, whether it's new healing things or whatever it is, like new experiences. Like that's what I'm all about. And it's available because for a time I was scared to fully live life because I was so sensitive. You know, like uh, the example I gave, I was in the Airbnb in Philadelphia and I was in their bedroom and I was like, this room smells like, it smells like gasoline. Like it smells, I smell. And so like my family was there and they were talking about it. And my cousin was like, you know, when something has like an off chemical, something's giving off chemical, like he's like, I think the sheets are just that cheap kind of plastic. And, And I was like, I know it's not my imagination, but I am very sensitive you know, so to smells or this or that or whatever. And I was afraid to live life because of that. I was afraid to travel. I was like, oh my God, what's it going to, what's it going to be like when I get there? What's the place going to be like? What's the, and I don't have that anymore. So I'm just excited to like live more life. That's beautiful. Outside of that. You know what I mean? And I'm just like, 
don't want to get caught up in drama because I'm trying to discover some new shit. (laughs) (laughs) How do people break out of those imprints? Like back, kind of going back Mm -hmm. to like the theories and reparenting. Like how does someone see the imprints, Mm -hmm. see how they're presenting and expressing in the world and want to go in the other direction? Okay, I'm going to finish this list fast (laughs) so we can move on. So the the next one, we are still talking about these imprints. The last one was over-functioning, over-empathing. The next one is fantasy relationships and fan culture. <laughs> What's that one? So this is this is this idea of that you create these sort of fantasy relationships with people <laughs> that you fan over, oh, that you worship. So it's worship you. culture. Mm. Right. So you do it with people that, you know, in real life, like maybe someone you have a crush on. You're like, oh, my God. (laughs) Right. You see it. It's like, but you're not in a relationship with that person. (laughs) Right. That's why people can come up to people they know, whether it be an influencer or whoever. And they're like, I feel like I know you, but I'm like, but I don't know you. (laughs) (laughs) Right. It's because people have this idea of like of this fantasy relationship is normal, right? They're like, well, I feel a connection to you, so it must be mutual. <laughs> but they do it in real life relationships. And this is why people get in relationships with people that are emotionally unavailable because they fill in all this fantasy stuff about mm. the person. The person never agreed to play that role. Because they think they're going to be the one to change them. Right. Whether it's like the one. This is a one version of the fantasy relationship is that person's the one. Right. Or my soulmate. My and twin a soulmate flame. is going to come and my life's just going to change. I'm not going to have to do any of my inner work because now I found my soulmate. Right. All these versions of fantasy relationships of like worshiping people where we're giving all of the power to externalized versions of things. Everything is externalized. Right. And there's many different versions of it, but that's another imprint. It can come from, especially if you have that fantasy relationship with a parent. Right. Especially if a parent is not really present. You're like, wow, my dad's so amazing. Damn, that's sad. Right. My dad's so like he's he's an astronaut. Right. Meanwhile, your dad's a a bum or something or whatever. (laughs) Mm -hmm, Right. right. Like my dad's an astronaut and he did this and he was going to invent this thing. And right. So it's like we do that with people in our real lives. And then we do it now. It's so strong now because of social media culture. We do this all the time with people online that we don't know. And we just are giving them this worship energy and giving them your power. Giving them their power for sure. Yeah. Right. And externalizing like, I want to get where that person is. But think about what happens when that celebrity, right, like doesn't like there's a some kind of scandal. And then what do we do? Cancel. Cancel, Cancel culture. <laughs> right. Oh, well, they that did. person was fake the whole time. It's like, no, you created a whole fantasy of who they were. <laughs> and then you're disappointed that they're a real person. Even though you never you didn't met even know. them. <laughs> you didn't right. even know. Like, that's why I never liked them to begin with. I'm like, wow. It's, so that's an imprint. Which that could be a whole show. <laughs> <laughs> And that's a good one too, because some people do get so charged up by that. Yo, there's videos, by, on like, videos, on videos of why someone is canceled. Mm-hmm. I'm like, 
This is. I've just never felt that strongly about kids. I don't feel like, <laughs> remember when we read the Roots Picnic and I was like, I don't know anyone that I like am that way with. Right. So you like have think, to We go were up trying to think of one person and we both said, me and Jay both said Stevie Wonder, maybe. Yeah. I was like, maybe I would fall out over Stevie Wonder, but I can't really think of anyone else that I'm just like, Ex- I externalize that they're everything yeah. in that way. I'm yeah. like, this person is human and has flaws, and I know that. Mind you, the videos are one way, but like the papers be a whole another thing when they do think pieces. I'm like, damn, so you like really cite me sources and bring this research, shit in. Like somebody did something to you. The next one is You Complete Me Culture. Keisha Cole. <laughs> that whole thing. <laughs> right. That whole thing. This idea that like you're going to find someone, someone's going to complete you as if you're a half of a thing. Ooh. Mm. <laughs> no. Right? That's mm. a child. That's a definitely an imprint. And this makes you attra- very attractive, attracted to neediness. So if you're constantly looking for your other half, because you think you're a half, Shit. just think about that. Right, Money neediness is the quickest thing to get my ass out the front door. <laughs> and the, right, and then the I thing is that you. also plays into attachment style, and it's also like then you think like for some reason you have this idea that like the other person's going to meet all your needs. That's not what relationships are even about. That's a big one. That's I think not, people don't realize. Well, when that. I meet my soulmate, they're going to meet all my unmet childhood needs. Child. No, they're not. Mm-mm. Am I raising you? Because they have an inner child too. They have an inner child that needs work too. So you're going to meet your soulmate. You're still going to have work to do. Hello. Like, (laughs) right? So that you complete me. And then the next one is settling. Obviously, I don't have to go into that. The next one is matching people's energy and losing yourself in the relationship. If you always think that whatever energy the other person is putting out, you need to match them. Right. Let's say that your partner wants to go out like, well, I want to stay home. Like people can't imagine doing that in a relationship because they think that's not loyal or they think it's not whatever. It's like match your own energy. Right. That's why people get lost when their relationship's over. They're like, I don't even know who I am because you were matching that other person's energy the whole relationship rather than staying attuned to yourself. And then when the relationship ends, you've been aligned with yourself the whole time. And the relationship just ends. Your world doesn't end. Mm. Right. But if you if you're always matching on the person's energy when the relationships end, like your world's over because you don't even know where to go. You don't know how to feel. So that's another big one in relationships. Um, And then (laughs) I think that was me at one point for just a part. (laughs) Then there is um, obviously dependency issues, insecurity, patterns of powerlessness loss of that vulnerability. And then the last one I'll say, I'll go into a little bit is disregarding your intuition. This is a big pattern. <laughs> Sorry. Trigger. I think that was the one. This is a big pattern for people because again, from as a childhood imprint, if you read the energy of your parent and you perceive something and then the parent tells you or says something that opposes that, what are you going to do? You're going to disregard your intuition and And believe believe what the parent says. Damn. Right? So you train yourself to not listen to your own intuition. And then you end up in relationships where the person's like, no, baby, I'm not cheating. Where they gaslight you. It it sets you up for gaslighting because you've taught yourself that your intuition is not a valuable tool that you can trust since childhood. Mm. 
Hmm. And that's the end. (laughs) (laughs) Did we all survive? Dog made it. I did. I'm better. Keep going. I just needed a I'm moment. I'm glad I didn't cry. I had a whole moment over here at one at one point when you were talking about parents and I thought about like my dad, you know, whenever we're on the phone, he or whenever he got off the phone, he always says, I love you. And you never really, I guess, count those up until, you know, something bad happens, I guess. But he wasn't around when I was younger. So him saying that to me on the phone, it's kind of like, oh, OK, this is cool. But then, like, I guess thinking about all those failed relationships and when people say that and it doesn't really mean shit. But then you think about somebody that has been there or that's there now that wasn't there. And it's like they mean that you think about when they hug you and they mean that and they Mm. speak to you intentionally. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. I had to really round that out when you were saying Mm. something earlier. And I was just like, damn, this nigga do love. Like, I know Mm -hmm. he loves me. Like, Mm -hmm. damn, this nigga do love me. Like, Mm -hmm. you don't think Mm -hmm. that when you're in certain situations with people because you hear and you're like, oh, they're supposed to say that. But then it's like, no, they mean that. So that really rounded out for me there. So thank you. Yeah, that's a big one. (laughs) I have a hard time believing when someone means something sometimes yeah. I'm like, I don't, I can't read it. Like I can't feel cause I've been, I've cut it off for so long that yep. now I don't even know what the feeling is. Anymore. Yeah. I was talking about this the other day too and how important it is. I think I actually, I think I actually posted this today on Instagram talking about how you're going to have to train your nervous system to be able to take in more love and more joy. Because if you have a program of like, I'm only allowed to receive or I'm only deserving of whatever the story is, this is what my nervous system knows is a normal amount of love. And then someone's coming and they really have more than that. Your nervous system starts going, setting off alarms. So you actually have to train yourself to be able to sit with those those sensations of someone really loving you more or to sit with the sensations of like, I have everything I need, like, or, or bring, like letting yourself feel, feel more joy and not going into, this is too good to be true. Right. So when you kind of reach that threshold of what you're like bracing yourself for like the drop of what your body thinks is like a realistic amount of love that's available, you're going to have to, if you want to be able to take in more, you're going to have it's it's the same process of like reprogramming but it's a, it's a different one because you're learning how to allow more love and you're a lot or you're learning how to allow more of the good feelings to happen without your body freaking out or without your mind freaking out and thinking like I don't deserve or the fear of like if I'm getting this much love, what do I got to give back? Or whatever the story is, there's something your your body and your mind are going into relative to like experiencing more of the good stuff. And it's also a process that you have to sit with and it can be uncomfortable at first. That's where I'm at. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah, and, you, and you have to tell yourself Seriously. like, wow, there's, there's my body's, this is kicking up something. Okay. And learning how to sit with those sensations and breathe. Same pause is the same pause button. It's just a different version of it. And just reinforcing, like, this is safe. This is good. Like, you know, I remember when I was a kid, I had this fear of, like, people dying that I loved. So I was afraid of, like, I don't know, again, I don't know where it came from. But this, I was like, I can't get too close to people because they're going to die. Damn. You know? But it's a kid. You're a kid. So your mind's doing that thing. And so I realized, like, wow, that's played out in relationships too in my life so I was like now I'm like I want as much as available right now as long as this person's in my life I want to feel 
their love, you know? So I had to learn how to be able to take in more love too, not just be the one giving it all the time. Right. Right. Child. <laughs> Same with, well, never mind. Or doing something for someone. Think about someone that's like, if the person wants to, you know, if a person wants to pay for something for you or give you, give you something or give you a present or give you, think about how uncomfortable you might feel like, oh my God, I, no, 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 I don't want you to, that feeling of uncomfort, of discomfort is another example of learning to train yourself like, okay, like, yes, I'll let you do this nice thing for me. Yes. Oof. J- uh, Jade wow. and Chris will always make fun of me because I get so uncomfortable mm-hmm. when people are like overly kind to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. a part of me that's so vigilant that I'm like, either I can't like, trust this. yeah, like yeah. what are they going to want back? Or mm-hmm. is this a setup for something? Or are they I manipulating just, me? Yeah. And yeah. it's, it's mm-hmm. terrible to not just be able to just accept it. No, Cause it's I can, terrible. I give people so much kindness. I'm like, yeah. well, why wouldn't I receive it? You it's know? just an imprint. Yeah. You know, and that's the reparenting part mm-hmm. is just having those conversations with yourself. Because I think people uh, view the reparenting as way more daunting mm-hmm. than it is. But it really is just having those dialogues, right, with yourself. Yeah. Like, so it's like realizing again. So it's it is again talking about these imprints is one level. So it's bringing it into the conscious mind so that, you know, like, OK, this is my imprint. This is the pattern. And you can also look at like if you're if you're trying to fit because there's more. This is just like I'm putting together this list from my own like awareness. But other people could probably be like, oh, well, there's another one. Right. Right. Um, and these are just the ones related to relationships. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> these aren't the ones even related to like money or, the, or whatever. Right. So these are just the kind of ones that play out with in, in regards to relating to other people and intimacy. Um, once you're aware of like, OK, this is my imprint. This is what I'm working on. Then you can think about where if you have access to that memory from your childhood of like, hmm, this reminds me of when like my dad left or when this happened or when that happened. And you can sort of tune into the age that you were. And even if you don't have a memory, you might be able to just intuitively like a lot of times when we say like what age does make you think of a lot of times something will jump out. And you'll just know intuitively. Um, Or like I said, it could be before you had that conscious memory available to you. It could be from the womb. If you're able to access when it is, that's also great because then you can, I like to do it actually with taking a picture of that age of my inner child and actually like tuning into that part of me. Mm -hmm. Like what, what would I have needed at that time that I didn't get that created that imprint and how can I give that to myself? Right. For example, it's like, let's lose your situation. Let's use our example of like, you know, we didn't go into like what age trigger, but let's say that you were able to do all that. And then you were like, what is it that I needed? You probably needed to know you're safe. Like really simply, you probably needed some reinforcement at some age that you're safe, you know? And so you can do that to yourself now. So in that situation, that might be your mantra. Like, actually, I'm safe. I'm safe. You know, like, I know for me, I'm I'm not at the point if someone put puts hands on me that it's not going to go down. Oh, no, I'm being ass. Right. Yeah. So, like, that's the for thing. For life. Like, I don't care how enlightened I get. If you <laughs> right. touch me. That's the that's thing. The, I'm the, I'm I think that's normal, right? Yeah. So that's the thing. But I'm like, there's so many situations where I'm already planning what I'm going to do. Not right. now, but in the past. Right. Where I would already be planning, like, 
I'm going to snatch this person's wig, right? Like, <laughs> and it's, and I'm feeling it in my body already. And it's, we're not even there yet. I understand what right? you're saying. So yeah. you could actually just override that tendency and just say, you know what? Nobody touched me. Like I'm actually safe. Like physical harm isn't happening right now. This doesn't mean override when there's a true threat. Again, I just want to be explicitly clear. That's not when it's override. That's when it's time to ride. Right. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. Like, it's not about like, I'm not, this is not about Gandhi work, right? Like this is not, you know, it's everyday funny. life. <laughs> I was listening to Invisibilia podcast. It's an NPR mm-hmm. podcast. And this guy was telling the story about, he was on his patio with like his family and friends. They were drinking wine and like eating dessert. And a man with a gun comes into the patio and puts the gun to his wife's head and is basically like, I'm going to kill her if you don't give me, I think he wanted money or something. And he said that one of the people in the patio was like, how would your mom feel if she saw you doing this? And it got him like super rattled. And he realized in that moment, like, okay, that isn't helping. (laughs) Because the guy was like, I don't have a mom. She fucking died. So it triggered him. And you saw the gun like trembling. And then the guy said intuitively something told him. To push him and knock the gun out of his hand. No, you know what he did? He told the guy. We're all sitting, like, having a really good night drinking wine. Like, why don't you just join us? (laughs) He really Mm -hmm. told this to the guy. And he said the guy was like, are you sure? And he was a gun down. So what does NPR mean, nigga please radio? Because that's nigga please. You got, you got a gun on my wife's head? I had to leave all the way back for that. Oh but why did he sit and like talk to them? And they like were asking him, how'd you get to this point? And he like talked about it. Like, okay, where was the like gun? NPR. I have to where say, was the I, gun at this yo, point? I died. Like I was like, this is the craziest story. And by the TPR, end of it. TPR, Tyler Perry radio. That's a, that's a script. And by the end of it, he like thanked them and apologized like for wow. having taken it to that level and he left. <laughs> and I still would have beat his ass at like, the end of it. You know, or knocked him over and, and called kill the cops. Us. Ain't nobody calling right. police. Like what the hell right. is... You know what's interesting? They say he just needed a hug. Maybe. You know what's interesting? My my um, <laughs> my nervous system um, specialist, she works specifically... She works with all people but she also pinpoints um, black, brown bodies like queer communities like marginalized people because there is real violence oh yeah that is uh you know a threat that's that's the thing like this isn't this isn't that conversation where i'm saying like don't be aware that there is true threats of violence right but at the same time i do think there are a lot more situations where like you're just on twitter (laughs) yeah okay right and like no one's harming you. You're okay. Mm-hmm. And people feel the need to like go into that battle. They go into that enemy programming. Everyone's my enemy. And I do think, you know, given that situation, I do think like the one you described, I do think, however, that's extreme. But right, I do friend. think, right, <laughs> I will say, oh, I'll, come in, I'll come in on the side of that and say, however, I do think that if you are able to tune into yourself, your intuition can actually give you a lot of valuable information in different scenarios on how to what move. to do, on how to de-escalate. I do have mm. had that experience, and I do know that to be true, that if you are in high escalation mode, you're not going to be able to hear your intuition. And I would like to think that in different situations, I don't know about gun, but... <laughs> 
that in situations <laughs> that are not a true threat, that are just a perceived threat, that I would be able to push that pause button, feel into my intuition and respond rather than react. And in order to do that, I know that I need to do first the work to like shift out of that fight or flight mode. And so that's the thing. A lot of times when you're in that place where there's not a, again, not a real threat, just a perceived threat, maybe the, maybe the medicine in that moment is put your phone down. It's just a phone. Yeah. Like no one's coming through the phone <laughs> to get you. But I see people going back and forth on like on right online with like you would think their life was in danger. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, but it, it, in their body. And in that moment, feels that's how it like feels that to in them. their body. So the, that for me, I realize a lot of times if that ever happens to me and I get triggered, put the phone down, go live my life. Like you said, my real life doesn't actually reflect that very much. I forget about it. And then I look back and I'm like, oh, man, like I don't even have <laughs> any on. energy for it. You move right along. So if that strategy is available to you, utilize that. Obviously, I tell people all the time to go into the notes app with it. OK, before oh, yeah. you fight someone yeah. online mm -hmm. or even a partner when you guys want to text each other crazy shit, mm -hmm. go into the notes app, mm -hmm. write it all out. Yeah. Talk as crazy as you need to. Let 24 hours pass mm -hmm. and it never fails. When you come back, nah, you you'll read care. it and be like, whoo, thank you God I didn't care. say that. Way better than say <laughs> drafts. Thank God yeah. I didn't say that. So another thing I would say is a really easy strategy is move your body. Because, again, looking at it from a physiological point of view, if your body is going into that chemical addiction mode and it's starting to, you're going to the stress response. So in order to shift out of that stress response, move your body, mm -hmm. go for a walk, jump up and down, do something physical. <laughs> Imagine Dustin Hibbins doing jumping jacks in front of the guy. Right. <laughs> Probably would have thought I was going to turn that section out. <laughs> That's why they always have people that are like, use it when you're on stage. Right. Um, so do something to actually turn off the whatever the chemical response, the chemical reaction that your body, your body is an animal. Like you have to remember that your body is a primal animal. But the difference mm -hmm. between <laughs> the difference between like um, us and let's say a deer that gets hit by a car. Right. So the freeze response that animals do, they get up and they shake it off. They shake that energy off. That's what children that were having that are having temper tantrums are actually trying to do. They're trying to disperse that energy. That's too much energy built up. But because we're taught as kids, like you don't have a temper still. tantrum, you need to sit still. We're taught that when that energy, like that excess of energy comes up, that we're supposed to just push it back down. Yes, like we no are. wonder you feel rageful. So find a way to actually physically like that's what kind of like somatic work is when you actually find ways to physically move that energy out of your body. Then usually you automatically feel a little bit better and you're a little bit more clear headed. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> and then you can look at. But that's oh the thing God. you have to understand. People are getting into physical altercation. They're looking for a way to discharge that energy. Well, we, me, never mind. I'll tell you the rest of the story after. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> but I love this because it's useful not just in confrontations mm -hmm. with strangers, but right. even with your friends and coworkers. Mm -hmm. and so you're going to a job interview, 
right? And you've all this, you start going to that feeling of like, you know, nervousness and anxiety and stress and all that. Same thing. You can actually move that. And that's, that's what energy work is, really. Energy work is like feeling into what's the energy that's coming up right now and what can I do to trans, transmute or transform that energy to serve me? Because you can use that energy, right? That's why I always talk about how like a lot of times like nervousness and excitement is the same energy. Yeah. Right. But when you're nervous, you're actually suppressing that energy down. And that's why it's that's why it's becoming distorted. But if you let that excitement energy come up and you experience it, and you use it and you apply it to something, there is an exorbitant amount of energy that you can put towards something. So that, again, that's another strategy, a way to do it. I also obviously love working with aromatherapy. Mm hmm. I love when I'm doing the reprogramming because I know that it's chemical happening in the brain and I know my pattern. I will put a scent in that place, in that moment. I will actually, I have some stuff for you guys. Because I use the spray. Yeah. Okay, you know, just move to, you know, thank you, guys. Okay. Yeah, so you can know that instead of like, I got to override this program with my awareness, just smell something. Spray a bitch. Just smell. <laughs> Spritz a bitch. Just smell something because that's going to, like, scent is one of those things that can penetrate the blood brain barrier. So it can actually create faster than meditation, faster than going jumping jacks. Within 22 <laughs> seconds, scent can actually shift what your brain's doing. So that's why I like so you that. you can carry a code. I wish I, I wish you would spray. Right, exactly. <laughs> spray it on you before you One of the ones write. in there is definitely that for you. <laughs> um, so that, so I always do that scent, right? I also like sound. Sound's another way to shift your brain frequency very quickly. So if, let's say... Some okay, not the altercation one. Yes. Let's say let, let's say Scenario a different B. one. Yeah. Scenario B, um, job interview, right? Mm. And you feel all that stress and coming up, and you do quickly, like you have five minutes to shift your energy, right? Smell something real quickly, put some brainwave frequencies on, mm. and you can totally shift your brain. And your body's physiology will respond, and you will be in a totally different mode to step into what you want to step into. You'll have all and your And there are tons of them available. on YouTube and mm -hmm. Spotify. Yeah. Um, I, I like don't want no bullshit now. Y'all know all these fake videos and right. shit going around. <laughs> I don't want no fucked up uh, brain frequency. So, hi, I need a oh list, a preferred list, some links. Okay. okay. Yeah. I'll, send, I'll share some links. I mean, I also We'll have, make that the wellness segment. Yeah. Okay. I also there have things like, I also have things like tuning forks and mm. I have like, you know, bowls and things like that that actually generate those sounds. I also like water sounds, sounds of water, rain, white noise, cricket. Like, no. Things that in your body take you into that timeline that you want to be in, how you want to feel. You have these little tuning forks, you know, that can help get you there, especially if it's a strategy that you already have memorized in your body. Like you already know in your body how to access that calm. A scent can take you back there. A sound can, a brainwave frequency can take you back there, right? Your breath can take you back there. A scent. A scent. That's for you. <laughs> That's for you then, you know? You don't have to do like five at a time. You can have your one, right? I also love EFT, obviously emotional freedom technique, which is tapping. 
I don't know if you, I'm sure you've talked about it on the show before. The show before. Um, that's a great strategy for me that I u- have used in the moment at times to move energy. And it works. We did that it on the works. tour and people were it like, works. Woo. Yeah. And I just taught actually and actually in conscious entrepreneurship, because I was talking about healing the money wounds, my healing the money wounds process. Yes. And I talked about I how to. <laughs> yeah. I talked about how to clear out those money programs. And I did EFT with that. And I went through and we, you know, brought up all of those different stories that we tell ourselves about money and what it means to be wealthy and all of that. And then we put in the new program. So we use EFT. And I studied EFT with someone who actually studied the epigenetics of EF- EFT. Which we know okay, and spoke about. Hello. Yeah. And so for me, I remember when I first encountered EFT, I was like, okay, another energy healing modality. Great, whatever. But when I actually studied with this person who's been doing this research for a really long time, and he's actually someone that's been... Um, really active in working with EFT for PTSD, especially for veterans, people that come back from the war that have PTSD. So I actually saw the brainwave scans in his training of like, you know, veterans that came back from the war and they had this much PTSD in the brain. And after like a six weeks treatment of doing EFT, there was no, there was no more PTSD. So when I was actually seeing And you have it, a video on e- the EFT process on your YouTube, right? Yeah, I have a couple. Yeah. I have one on I'll why you haven't you found the one. <laughs> I'll link you guys to In that. EFT on why you haven't found the one. Um, <laughs> but what I loved about that is that he talked about how if there was like a chemical, um, you know, treatment, you know, for, de- for depression or PTSD that you could treat them with, and you measured that against EFT, EFT would rank like 127 on like, you know, a percentage scale. So he basically said it was a miracle cure. And that was scientifically through his scientific studies of the brain. And when I had taken his course, he had just gotten it approved to be one of the primary treatments that the VA used for veterans. So that really... That really sold me on like how impactful this can actually be to actually get rid of the trauma programming in the body using EFT. And I love that it's free. You do it yourself. Everyone has access to it. It's just Mm -hmm. a technique with your fingers and like a tapping motion. So I love teaching strategies that you can do yourself and that you don't have to go to a practitioner for. But some other tools that I love, I'm a huge fan. I think everyone should do chiropractic Mm -hmm. because like I talked about with the whole thing with the spine and how how I understand triggers and where they live in the body is that they actually live along the spine. So there is a lot of that emotional stuck energy blocked trapped things in the body that when you're triggered, that's what you're feeling. You're feeling all that trapped energy come up because it wants to be cleared. Mm, Right. Literally me. So that's the thing. What we do in the moment of trigger is that we often push that energy back down when really what we need to do is learn how to alchemize it and let it go. Um, Breathwork is another great tool. Actually, my class next month is on emotional intelligence, and we're going to be talking about triggers and Aaron Telford. And, you know, Aaron actually has a class in New York in a couple of weeks for breathwork. Yeah. Yeah, a training that I saw she was posting Mm -hmm. about. So I'll let you guys know about that, too. Every year. Um, And she was on my school last year, and we did emotional alchemy. We talked about how to, like, 
work through emotions. She made so, her class made me cry. I know you said that. Yeah, I loved it. It moved like you breathe in certain patterns and mm-hmm. it's like, like rapid breathing. Yeah, like rapid, rapid breathing. And when I tell you it was moving stuff that I had mm-hmm. no idea like I still had that was just so old, mm-hmm. like wow. all this mm-hmm. old story, old traumas, old programs. Because that's the thing, you might think you work through certain shit. Because you worked it out Woo. in your mind. That's what I said. You but think it's you worked it out in, in the body. Mind. Like, oh, I right. know the thing, but it's still in your body. So that's why I like she these modalities crying. that actually help you to bring stuff out of up out of the body and get it actually out of the body so that instead of the reaction being there, there's no, there's no ping. There's nothing to ping. There's no trigger because there's no more trapped emotions. Right. So me and Aaron both talk about healing the emotional body a lot. And that's what we're going to be talking about next month. So breath work is another great one. I also think that um, Chinese medicine, acupuncture obviously is a great tool. It's a very sort of like all encompassing body of, like healing where they talk about mental my my acupuncturist does anyway <laughs> i don't know like mind body spirit heart everything um and speaking of scent let's oh. tell them about our collaboration oh So you guys know that Haas has her residence apothecary that I have been yes. spraying like crazy for years. Yes, you have. I was blessed because um, before she made, she had it become like a company. She would just give it to us, to her friends to wow. kind of like play around with. So I felt spoiled always. Then she finally made it available to the public and it's been doing super well. She's been expanding. There's like subscription services now. And we we're talking about like wanting to work together with creating one and we finally did and it's a spray i'm so excited so fran came to the bay i did and we talked about a couple different themes Mm -hmm. and i i feel like i know fran's patterns really really well that you do and i threw out a couple options i was like we could do this or this, or this, and her face lit up. <laughs> <laughs> and we put, which was really fun to make because mm-hmm. it was a true collaboration. Like we literally sat on the floor mm-hmm. of her office smell, smell. and just played in oils for hours. And it was mm-hmm. like, how do you feel about this one? And it wasn't just the scent, but it was also yeah. like the emotional benefits that using the scent on a daily basis like you said repetition mm-hmm. what it would do for you in your process of reprogramming which is like the yeah. goal for it and the thing about this too is that a lot of people might not know this but um a lot of the blends that i create have essential oils and flower essences in them so sweet and um flower essences might be really new to people but i last year i i've been working with flower essences for a couple years and Last year, I decided to do my practitioner training. Yes. I'm doing the second level now. So I think flowers are the most amazing. They're so powerful. They're really amazing tools for like this, the next level up. Obviously, I do a lot with herbs. I do a lot with essential oils. Flower essences are my new baby. (laughs) Um, Old baby, but new. And then I'm starting to talk about them with people and I feel ready to share that medicine with people growing some flowers we're going to be carrying flower essences on my stores this week soon but this blend i was like we got to do a blend that's really fine tuned and in, in order to do that that's what flower essences are good at you can really get into the like nuts and bolts of the medicine i want to read 
what this blend is for. Mm -hmm. For the people that's for. So if you know <laughs> that this is, this for, is you, for you, you're my tribe. You won't hear it. <laughs> so this particular blend is called Embodiment. And like as yes. we were talking I'm about. I'm so excited. And again, again, the reason why we wanted to do this blend is because this is about, this is for people who have been getting a lot of it in theory, but are like, I really need to live it in the body. Right? So this is the breakdown. This is for people who are on a heroic struggle and who attract others that need support at the detriment of their own path. It's for people who accept abuse while in the role of serving others, people who have a good nature that leads them to doing more than their share of work, people who are unassertive and can oftentimes be doormats, people who tend to make themselves small, people who are overly empathic to the point that they that allow others to use them, People who give in for the sake of keeping the peace. Hmm. People who find it difficult to assert their own will. People who need social approval. People who are overly influenced by other groups or are easily susceptible to peer pressure. People who listen too much to the opinion of others. People who tend to psychically bleed and merge with other people or their environment people who don't have a good, confident sense of self, so they look to others to complete them, people who end up in imbalanced relationships where they give too much and try to solve other people's problems, and people who need to find the courage to trust their mistakes and to learn from their past. Amen. So this is all about retiring from being a niceaholic, <laughs> from being that person that people can always walk all over, because you're always trying to just be the nice person, be the person who's always like doing good for others. And it's to the extreme where you get taken advantage of. I think we all have a little bit Parts of that. Of it. Yeah. So that was embodiment. It's embodiment. And it's called yeah. embodiment. You got one of them on you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so proud Literally, of you guys. My this team is, great. is in production right now. I'm so excited. And yes. let me tell you, it smells it's so, so good. Like, so good. We really sat with really like, like precision. We really did that. This is <laughs> so dope. Congratulations. I love because her team, when we finished and we came out and like sprayed her team, and they were all like, Oh shit! Yeah, and then we told them, and we told them the theme of it because we really sat. I mean, we actually we hung out for like three days. Yeah, just before to kind we of even feel talked into about it. the collab. Yeah, and then I was like, "You ready to work?" She was like, "Yeah." Let's and we went it. in the lab, and we were just like in and out. We were done. So it was awesome. ready. That's amazing. So I'm excited because obviously, once the bottles are in, I'm gonna have a wellness segment that's based on it, which is kind of emotional for me oh. to have like my own wellness segment on my own product. <laughs> Long time coming. And long time the, coming. So the intention is like we were playing around with dates and we were both saying how we really connect to the solstice. Yes. So and that energy of like the sun and fun and, and just like summer, summer and being social and yeah. trusting again and mm -hmm. loving again. And I think it embodies all the things that we've been saying mm -hmm. um, people are so worried yep. about. Yep. I think having the spray is just going to be a sweet reminder that like you're safe. Like yeah. you said. And so we're going to get like the way we're going to do it is that for people that order it when it drops, they're going to have it in their hand before summer solstice. Yeah. And you're going to get to work with it. And I'll be sharing like on my page how to work with summer solstice energy a little bit. Yeah. With plants. 
and obviously a, a breakdown of everything mm-hmm. we used and why so you can have yep. like a good idea of exactly how it's benefiting yeah. you emotionally. So a big part for me of this work is education. So yes, part of it is going to be a, like a little mini class that people are going to get as part of it too. So from excited. Right. So I'll be wasting your spray. <laughs> <laughs> Do we want to say this limited? <laughs> right? We still decide. Oh, well, now, wait a minute now. And I, I better be able to be part of this number now. I'm tired of not being able to do well, stuff I was telling Haas it might be safer to be limited because I'm not trying to put the stress on her team, you yeah. know, yeah. of this, yeah. like, yeah. bottles that are just, like, forever available. I want to also be fair. The fact that it is her factory, it is her team. They're basically doing all the work. And I want to be fair. To. Yeah. Brown like, said so she wants to I said, what? <laughs> the what? Like, let's go. You know what I'm saying? Because I feel like it's such a sweet yeah, harmony. Yeah. It's such a sweet harmony. And it just makes sense because literally I feel like Fran is like a big part of why resonance is a real thing mm. and not just like some stuff I do in my kitchen for friends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> why it's available for people. So the fact that she wanted to like collab, I was like, it's an honor. Oh, it's a perfect collaboration. It's an honor. There have been so many days I've been like, damn, friend, you smell good. And she's like, oh, it's this. And she'll pull out her resonance and spray. And it's yours. And that's why I got my own stash. Yeah. And I was just like, damn. And it's seamless. Like people have seen me use it for years. Mm. I love yeah. that you're my friend. Mm-hmm. Obviously, like, being in the influencer space, we can work with a lot of people. Yeah, but I love that my, work with any brand. But I love that my first <laughs> yeah. time actually sitting and creating something is with my friend. I think mm-hmm. that more than anything embodies who I am yeah, and how totally. I move, what's important to totally. me, which is part of this conversation of like untethering and creating success for what that looks like for you. And for me, mm-hmm. it looks like creating a sweet product with my friend. Yeah, so and like dope. that's why I was like, I want this to be as easy for you as possible. You just come in the lab, you be a creator. <laughs> we gonna take care of you. We were like barefoot, like, like just like playing in like, oils. Like I love it. Yeah, like we we'll do all the logistics. Yeah, and you just do your magic. Yeah, you know. So I'm excited, Haas. Thank you for joining us today. <laughs> Thank you so much, Haas. We're so thankful for Thank you, you and so your so genius. Yes, I love it. These Thanks are conversations. Yeah, yeah, these are so conversations that I love having. And I'm blessed because we get to have them behind the scenes when we talk every day. But oh I love God. to be able to share this with our <laughs> listeners. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And please tell everyone where they can find more of your work. Because, you yeah. know, people love them some highs. I I love people's response to seeing us together at the Roots picnic. Oh my god, they were so shocked. They were shocked because it was like, what the hell y'all doing? (laughs) (laughs) They were like, hey, Fran. Oh my god, Miriam. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, yes, we really do be together. Right, like we're actually friends, like legit, which I love. (laughs) It was cute. It was really cute. Um, So okay, so on social media, Miriam Husna is my handle. I have. An online school, which is like this. This is the stuff I teach about. My school is for everyone. But again, my like my niche is that I'm an advocate and educator for people who are highly sensitive and people who are extra sensories and have all those sensitive gifts. Yeah. I love mentoring people that are trying to figure out how to make all that stuff work. And my medicine is definitely plants. Um, I'm an herbalist and I love blending and making mixes and yeah. And her school is um, New Earth Mystery New school. Earth Mystery School dot com, yeah. right? So oh no, it's Miriam Hasnat dot com. 
And then New York Mystery School classes are hosted. We have guests every month. Fran's been a guest on the school twice. Two times, two times. And it's easy to drop in. So you can either become like a a subscriber, member of the community, or you can just drop in for a class whenever. And I'm a subscriber. Fran is literally a subscriber. I'm a legit subscriber. So there's a a subscription (laughs) option where you get a residence box every month and the classes. Mm -hmm. And Fran is a loyal... Subscribe. Uh, she, she was like, "Why are you subscribed to my girl?" <laughs> I was like, "What you mean?" Of course, oh, I got to. I got to. Of course, be I real. added all my friends as guests, and then this one actually subscribed, like a true <laughs> friend style friend. Okay, okay, okay. So, but I'm so thankful, yeah. and and I know y'all are gonna be like, "How do you spell it?" That's M A R Y A M H A S N A A dot com. If yeah. you go there, it's the hub for all of her work so you'll be able to find everywhere else that she is on the internet. Yeah, and so Resonance is going to be where we're going to host the collab. Right. The Resonance Etsy page so obviously we'll share that info. Yeah, and once that's available and like orders are ready to be shipped out I'll make sure, like I said, that'll be the wellness segment for the week so yep. you guys will have all the information on the spray and as as well as how to how to copy. And it's going to be an oil that's going to be used for EFT too so I'm going to break all that down in the video. I'm so excited. It's going to be a complete yes. toolkit, y'all. Like, oh, I like this a complete, is so dope. easy You guys, kit. it has its own box. Yeah. Like a box. I'm excited. So you're not just Check receiving... Check y'all out. Okay. You're not just receiving the bottle in the mail, like, in the no, bag. Like, it's, it's its cute. own box really that has our the... quotes and colorway and, like, it's so cute. It's so cute. <laughs> I cannot wait it's to adorable. see this. I'm excited. Uh, I'm very excited. Congratulations, y'all. That's major. Thank you. I'm so happy. Yay, Haas. Uh, <laughs> we love you, Haas. Thank yeah, you for everything. Love you all so much. We love Aww, you. Haas, for and real. Thank you, the listeners, of course, for staying with us. Yes. Is there anything else you guys want to add? No, just Nothing I can't wait is. to decide. Spraying. <laughs> for real. Haas, any last words? Just thank you all for everything. I'm really like the amount of love that I got from the that people first episode, that, right? That you all sent my way was overwhelming in a good way yeah in a good way i'm still working on my hiding imprint so (laughs) (laughs) putting myself out there is still new but this just i mean it just feels like hanging out with my friends yeah this is home oh that's right as always thank you guys so much for listening we love you so much and we'll catch you next week bye stay black and protect your magic bye bye mac powder kiss lipstick is mad reinvented The new matte formula is where matte meets moisture, giving you the zero shine look of a matte lipstick with instant long-term hydration and a weightless cushiony texture. The velvety soft matte colors glide on effortlessly with a wide range of shades that are sure to complement any skin tone. Head to your nearest MAC location to meet your matte today or shop at maccosmetics.com.